exercising more than your mind exercising more than your mind you're listening to hypno athletics exercising your mind presented by Hakeem Alibokis Alexander on the call-in app presented for World Reading Club in association with Equilibrium. This edition's reading focus comes to us from eym.exercisingyourmind. I'm oh, sorry, excuse me. eym.hypnoathletics.com. Just my own website. <clears throat> Exercising your mind. Metaphysical hypnosis, meditation, sleep, and lucid dreaming. That's the head title. I was supposed to go to sleep, but uh, I decided against it because it's a very short time. Might as well go to sleep afterwards. Is that even a thing? It's published on March 24th, 2006, but 2006 by me. It's Hakeem Ali Focus Alexander. Exercising your mind. Napoleon Hill wrote the book Think and Grow Rich, which was published in 1937. I first read it in 1998. I wanted so bad to be rich and felt that this title would set me on the right path. I was right, and I am thankful to him and many others who have mentored me through their motivational wisdom. All right. Let's see what I mean here with this stuff. Is this is this wisdom or is it malarkey? Uh-oh. One of the most powerful lessons I have learned and strive to master is his teaching to never engage in any transaction that does not benefit all whom it affects. This has been a struggle for me for reasons I am still uncovering and transmuting into the best energies possible. Simply engaging the world with this ecological idea steps up the vibrations of my mind such that it has replaced my undesired thoughts and actions with more worthwhile goals and visions. Why I chose to compete in this dog-eat-dog world is because I had not yet discovered my ability to create instead. I used to think I was born evil. I would soon be on my hell, be on my way to hell, and behaved much like a demon. I accept full responsibility for my caustic and oftentimes insane actions by waking up and no longer acquiescing to illusions that are out of alignment with what is already well what it is I truly desire hmm. alright this is getting a little getting a little difficult to read simply because of uh, how tired I'm getting hey Vlad what the heck is going on over here how'd you guys get here I was just in your room and uh, you guys had it had your ship tied up pretty tight over there. I just hey. Right now, last came in, he I guess he needed to close his room. 
want to do for now. I'm only here to say hi, bye, and I wish I could stay, but I got to get some sleep because I, I got to wake up at 6. I'll see you, my brother. Take care. Right, brother. Much love, my brother. For I'll sure. I'll see you soon. Appreciate you. That's funny. I was I was reading because I was on another page, as I usually do. I didn't see you guys down there. I saw you guys earlier. What were you guys talking about over there, Lance? What you guys had going on? You, uh... Uh, well, there we go. Oh. Hey, Les. Hey, what's up, Aki? Uh, oh, uh, different things. I don't know. Um, you know, Vlad, uh, that guy is pretty darn articulate and eloquent. I mean, some of the things he was describing, the way he said it, uh, particularly uh, he was correcting something I think Nivik said. Um, and it was, you know, I think it will come to me soon. But uh, anyway, the way he stated it was brilliant. Um, Fuck Vlad, he's full of shit. I don't think so. Why do you think that? Because <laughs> he is. No. He knows. He knows. I like. Vlad knows I love him, man. Okay. <laughs> well, he's a good guy. <sighs> <clears throat> um, what's interesting yeah, is that. If I add up all the minutes, or you know, like the, the regulars, the people that I'm calling, and like uh-huh. someone said, it's pretty much the same couple. It's the same 200, 200, two or three hundred people that are like you know, rotating on different rooms. Yeah, isn't it? That's pretty interesting, right? Yeah, it's probably about right. And I can say that I probably. Vlad is probably somebody that I, if I got down to like actual specific policy stuff, I, I probably disagree with him more than maybe anybody that I talk to on a regular basis. You know, but but I, but but he's also as far as I, you know, but to me, one of the most likable guys, too. I like Vlad. I was um in a room with him earlier and uh, I was at work and I had to get out of there fast. I had to get off because off of the phone because somebody was passed out in front of the bar for one second. He was sitting up. Next thing you know, he was on his side. Damn. So you work in a bar, obviously. Uh, As a doorman, I don't usually work inside the bar, thankfully. I get to stay away from... I said, I work outside the bar. I work as a doorman. I don't usually work inside the bar, thankfully. Well, then you must must be, you must live in a major city, a pretty big city. That's Virginia Beach. Oh, Virginia Beach. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, so. Um, I reached out to you and Rodney and said, let's, 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 let's put some ideas together, but you guys didn't. 
<laughs> when did you do that, man? Because a couple days ago. And, and we're in the chat here or something? Yeah, on the call-in messages. Uh, well. But I'm going to have to find the right people that not only have the expertise, that have the content, the things that – but there's got to be people that need a gig because I need a gig. I mean – I'm not broke, but I'm poor. I don't want to go back to work in a restaurant, which I'm going to do probably pretty soon. For a good day gig. But uh, I just want to monetize a fucking podcast thing, and I, I have a great idea that I think could work. And I want to share yes. the wealth, I, you know, and, and if I'm full of shit, fine. But, but, but have you monetized it yet? No, 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 not a nickel. Okay. And so what podcast are you trying to monetize? None. I don't know. What, it's a concept it, at this point. The okay. only thing I could conceivably, I think, do is, which I got, I, I, I got to do this no matter what, is to do I've a sub like, stack. You know, I have so seven I can just stuff out and I can submit it. What? I have seven podcasts that are monetized. All right, well, then you don't need me. You see what I mean? So well, it's not, it's not about No, no, I don't you. mean that. I, to, to, it's just I it, thought, you know, people share and work together. I mean. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. No, what I'm saying is that um, I'm not being self-deprecating or, like, trying to talk myself down. But if you're already doing that, then, yeah, you're good to go. In other words, I mean. Yeah, maybe at some point, if I sat down with you somewhere and told you about my idea, wow, this would be a great thing to do, but you're already doing it. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I, I'm i just being realistic. You don't need me. Really. I don't know. Hello? Yes. Yeah. I'm here. Not going anywhere. Oh, no, no. I yeah. So I need to find somebody who has some tech or knows someone who knows some tech, who wants to do a podcast, who isn't monetized yet, who isn't doing it successfully, <laughs> you know. And so you want to test this out on them to see how it can help them succeed? Yeah. What's that? So you want to, t so you want to test this out on on some people to see how to help them succeed. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it would. I mean, it's like, you know, well, that's what I said. I never doubted. I said, do you want to do it to help them succeed? I said it very matter of fact, like you will help. Yeah. Them I, I, mean, I, it's hard. I don't know what's going on with my fucking phone or the app or something, but I can't hear anybody at all anymore unless I hold the phone microphone, like one inch away from my ear. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Okay. So that's just, that's just what, what I'm dealing with. So that's why if I'm like, what? What do you mean? It's not like because I'm, I'm disagreeing. I just, I, really, I really don't. I don't hear 90% of what people are saying. But, um, yeah, so, you know, it's just, it is what it is, right? So um, most of the people like on call-in or Twitter or Facebook – 
there are people that are desperate for money. <laughs> you know, it's people that are like doing it for fun or they're doing it for a secondary thing or, you know, you got projects and doing things. So somewhere along, and the people without being disrespectful, some of the people who could really use it as a gig don't have the expertise or the ideas or the content contribution necessary to put forth a remunerative, remunerative, uh, you know, podcast or multi-platform, you know, entity, whatever, you know what I mean? So that's my dilemma. But, you know, in fact, we were having this conversation before about ego versus humility versus, you know, whatever. It's like, nah, it's not about ego, but, uh, but man, if somebody wanted to hit their wagon to my star, uh, my ideas are such that not just in terms of the political point of view, because I want to do both sides, all sides. Now, I'm a lefty, and so... Uh, you know, I'm not going to have a preponderance of like 50-50 right wing or left wing or whatever, whatever. But just in terms of the types of things that I want to do in terms of public domain and having topics and discussions about things that, you know, because you have to think about copyrights and all that. And also in terms of doing satire and parody and the idea that there's 168 hours in a week. And if you had things that you could offer people, that were like shows and then, you know, they would be recorded, right? Like anybody could go back to a show, whatever, a YouTube or a podcast on calling and, you know, go ahead and watch or listen to that show. And, and so, but you would also have, so you'd have like literally a network of 24 seven content eventually. And you, a bunch of people who would be cross referencing each other's shows and promoting each other's show the same way the breaking point or rising or uh, RBN and all these people do revolutionary black network you know they all do their individual podcast but they interact and ain't nobody doing what I'm talking about so it's like it ain't like I'm saying wow I gotta be humble and say and I will I'll say this man you don't need me Hakeem you're doing it but you know what no matter what anybody's doing I guarantee it if they sat down with me for 90 minutes I can guarantee I can exponentially expand their concept mm. and make it much more successful. Mm. In other words, I'm the shit. All right. Now, nobody's hooked their wagon to my star yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. You call it ego if you want, but I don't care whether it's you mm. or anybody else. You sit down with me for 90 minutes, whatever you're doing, I can make it 10 times or a hundred times or a thousand times more successful. Cause I'm not only am I, Oh, I'm not cause I'm a boomer, but I'm a young at heart. And I got lots of experience and expertise and knowledge. And I don't got the tech, <laughs> but I'm telling you, you know, somebody wants to start talking to me, I'll show them <laughs> that it can be that, that, that whatever they're doing, I can make it 100 times more successful. If you got 5,000 followers, I can get it to 50,000. You got 50,000, I can get it to 500,000. And I got zero followers right now, you see? And that's why I don't got the bona fides, okay? I don't got the track record, right, or anything like that. I mean, I do. I can tell you stuff I've done. I brought, you know, the promotions. I've done activism so, and all that shit. So yeah, without no, that no, stuff, no. how do you plan on moving it forward? 
Like, how do you plan on making more awareness about it? What? What? So, <clears throat> with that said, of what you said about um, that, uh, um, you don't have any track record. Like, you don't have any followers or, or something. How? How then would you be going about spreading awareness about what you say can get people a lot of, <clears throat> you know, a bigger audience? I have no idea. That's the whole point. That's what I don't know how to do. If you're Edison, and this is what Edison did. Edison did not, you know, develop. He didn't invent the light bulb, but he didn't develop it right with the right substance to make it work a long time. With the idea that I just want to create neat stuff. He did it so like, how can I be a fucking multimillionaire? <laughs> and when he figured it out, he didn't know how to fucking market it either. He, he had to find somebody who said. I don't know how to fuck to put wires together to make a light bulb, Edison. And Edison said, yeah, I don't know how to market this shit. And that's how people do it. They put their brain together. And I got the light bulb. I don't know how to fuck to market it. So, yeah, I don't know. That's the whole point. I got no idea. All I know is I got a better mousetrap. And I got a light bulb <laughs> forever. Okay. And, but I don't know how to, but now I know marketing, by the way. See, I know marketing. Right. So it, within within my concept, I want to do heavy subjects about homelessness and about and about, uh, you know, the mentally ill and this and that and this. But you know what? You can't hit people over the head with heavy topics all the time. And even and even when you do, sometimes you got to do it in a way that entertains them as well. And guess what? You're going to have to do commentary about what the YouTubers are saying to each other in gossip. You got to do some of that stuff. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a purist. I have, I have a very, very, very thought through, you know, concept, right? What were you talking about YouTubers, man? What? What were you saying about YouTubers? What I'm saying is that any kind of like, let's say the thing I'm talking about here, right? This concept I'm saying that I want to, you know, encourage people to, to join me and try to put together this multi-platform thing, right? Uh -huh. I do, okay. I would be doing a lot of very heavy subjects such as why do we criminalize like 80, 60 to 80% of the people in jail have never heard a fly. They're there for drugs. They're there for different things. Not for not because they actually hurt another person. That's the that's the actual criminal. We also ah uh, shit. You want them white dudes, all right? We also criminalize the homeless. <laughs> we also criminalize the mentally ill. Why is that? That's the kind of topics I want to do. I want to hit heavy subjects that aren't talked about, like, and I want to hit them heavy. But guess what? You try to do that for five hours a day, let alone people are going to turn you well, out. I think, Lance. I think that the way to do it is simply to, to, um, I found it an ingenious, uh, solution that's very mathematical and also very organic. And you know how sometimes people might tell you specifically <clears throat> that you need to tone down and you need to like calm down or stop being so assertive or aggressive. Well, guess what? You don't have to. All you have to do is put yourself on a show with someone who can either work with that energy in a way that neutralizes it or somebody who is super chill and doesn't have to even work on it. Like me, for example, like yeah. look at how we're, ta we're talking now. Like, I don't care what the hell you say, as long as you're not saying anything criminal or fucked up, you know what I mean? And that way, you know, it's just like we're having a conversation and you're, you're enthusiastic about an idea. And I just think that, uh, like, the art of the co-host and moderator is an art to be 
to be to be applied far and wide in so many places. Oh yeah, so, yeah. In this particular absolutely. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got to have a dynamic. In other words, that's like old fashioned comedy routine: the straight man and the, you know, the jo- yeah. the jokester. The, the um, what do they call the comic relief, right? Oh yeah, yeah the jokester, the jokester. Um, and it, it works also. There's so many ways it works. Like when I had Sarah, uh, when I was being her co-host, you know, it was really, it was really an attractive concept. A lot of people were really into it. So, mm. well, yeah, because see, I, 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 I'm, you know, like my natural demeanor is this over the top, like the flamboyant, like the the, the whatever. Okay. But I hear you. I but I can play both roles. What I'm saying is that I have so in other words, one, I think one of my best concepts, right, is about um, the idea of privatizing everything. And did I tell you about this? Um, you may have a little, touched well, on well, a little bit, but please, yeah, but what I'm talking about parodies, right? Like fake, like fake interviews, mm. where. You know, you you would take a ridiculous idea uh-huh. and play it straight. Okay. Do, you know, but but <laughs> but it has to be done. Yeah. But it has to be done right. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. That's a good like, idea. So you know, Jonathan Swift. Yep. Modest proposal. <laughs> You're naughty, Lance. <laughs> You're stirring up the pot. <laughs> I'm laughing because I really like this shit. You know when, like, so my friend Kevin, he is the one of the hosts of this long-running podcast called The Real Short Box, and they do a live stream on YouTube every Monday. Um. But he would collect all these DVDs of like unsolved mysteries and and all the different paranormal shows that came on TV and all these different random documentaries. And um, what I what I like watching when they're put together really well, and like how they just be exposing the shit out of people in different organizations. And I'm just so fascinated by it. But you know. <laughs> So I think it's it's great that this is the kind of content you want to create. You just want to freaking you know push the boundaries, as they say. Well, yeah, yeah. All right. So, oh man, yeah. So, a modest proposal was about eating the Irish kids, right? Yeah. Right. What about Irish kids? Well, Jonathan Swift's. You know, oh, right, right, right. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah. Was how to alleviate the suffering of these poor Irish children. His solution, of course, was to eat them, right? Hmm. Yes. So, my thesis, right? It's called. It's not a modest proposal. It's called a humble suggestion. 
a humble suggestion. Written by. All right, what is this? Humble it's, suggestion. It's, it's written by Nathan J. Fistow, F I S T O W. <laughs> okay. That sounds like a realistic name, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. No, 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 I mean, really. No, is that I'm, your I'm, fist? I'm, 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 no, no, but if I said Nathan J. Fisto, F-I-S-T-O-W, Nathan J. Fisto, you wouldn't question that necessarily. No. no. Well, that's an anagram no, no. with Jonathan Swift, right? Um, that uh, I wasn't paying attention, but there you go. And the idea is I'm a former Sandernista. Like, I thought Bernie Sanders was the shit, and it's not because he sold out his revolution. It's just that, you know what? Socialism didn't work. The squad's trying their best, but they're not making it happen. Yeah. Now, there's nothing inherently evil about monarchies. If you happen to have, like, a benevolent monarch, you know, who says, "Yeah, I want, I want the, I want the people that are down below me, you know, being all powerful. I want them to have an okay life." A Frederick, benevolent monarch. No, there have been some. Frederick the Great of right. Germany, right? When it, well, I don't know if it was unified Germany yet. And he had Bach and, uh, at an old age and Mozart, Mozart at a young age and intellectuals. And, Did you say uh, Mozart you, like you, mozzarella cheese? Yeah. No, <laughs> you can be an evil monarch and really fuck things up. But if you have a monarch and you have a, you know, at least a relative affluence, you know, Lance, in your society. Dude, I love your voice, you have the best voice for speaking on a show. Like I could just, like you, like I've always thought that. I was like, dude, you have the best like narrator's voice. I don't know what it reminds me of, but why for some reason, I'm, I think it's so cool, but it must, something that I heard when I was growing up or some point in time that just really, really yeah. pleased me. I don't know what that is, but you have the coolest, one of the coolest voices to me. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny anyway. because I've actually had men like in like in bars, like at times, man. Dude, you have a really cool voice. I've had that happen to me before. <laughs> yeah. All right. So hold on. I'm gonna pull out these headphones real quick. I mean, and, and turn on my uh, Bluetooth so I can because I gotta go ride for a second. So changing locations. Hold on. Hello. Hey, Lance. Okay, I'm I'm back in the saddle. Hey, hey. All right. Yeah. So. All right, so it didn't work. Socialism failed. <laughs> and so now, okay, I'm an anti-ismist. I don't think it matters whether it's monarchism, monarchy, or capitalism, socialism. I don't care. All I care about is the character of the people, you know, that are, that are, that are, that are running the show. Okay. And we tried everything else. Now what we need is just pure privatization. Okay, so from there I go from roads and bridges to like, you know, children, water, air, you know, clean air, 
everything needs to be privatized. And until you privatize literally everything, we then we just won't we won't get it done. But once we do, then life will be beautiful. So what? Um, what kind of outreach would you do? Say what? What kind of outreach would you continue? To do? Wait, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. I'll be there in a second. It sounds like you're way far away in the back of a deep, dark cave somewhere. Yes! That's awesome. <laughs> Fuck. You're messing with my mind. Man. <laughs> All right, dude. I didn't realize. So different headphones respond differently. And um, I don't think, let me, let me check this thing here. What does this one do? Um, so that, since that was the, the, what about this? Tell me how this sounds. All right, can you hear me? What, did anything change in the sound? I can hear you okay. Okay, but did the sound change at all? No, I mean, you're not, I mean, from before, yeah, because you were echoing from the background, but now I can just hear you normal. What do you? No, now you're faded away again. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, here I come. <clears throat> Check it out. All right, so now I'm getting a picture of these uh, these here headphones. All right. Well, I'm happy to be your guinea pig for testing it out. Yes, dear. Thanks, Lance. I'm sorry. All right. Now, they're showing kids on TV here that are on one of these merry-go-rounds that I thought they made illegal. They're really dangerous. Uh, well, anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, so I, the idea is the interviewer would just keep asking, "What about this? What about that?" And I would just take everything to its logical conclusion about privatizing everything. You know, and what do you think that? So you think the logical conclusion is privatizing everything? Got it. Okay. Name it. Thoughts. You want to privatize someone's thoughts? They do have ways now, of course, where they can actually read people's thoughts. Not only that, but there's a way to um, erase thoughts. There's a technique called um, targeted memory retrieval, where they can um, can retrieve memories in a person's mind by a certain using uh, piano chords and different things like this. It's using sound to to target the memory retrieval, and then. They found out by accident that if they do that before a person has a time to process the, the memory in REM sleep, that they can erase the memory. And, it's, and that's called retrieval-induced forgetting. Wow. Yep. Okay. I'm going to throw a complete non sequitur at you. All right. This is the kind of stuff that I would do on my, on my series of shows. That yeah, we would Lance, do a network I, of shows. I read, I knew, I read neuroscience news all day, every day, man. I have so many ideas from mainstream science that will blow people's fucking minds. Too. Well, check this out. Yeah, there's an actress came up in the '30s at the tail end of silent era, but then was big, big, big in the '40s, '30s, '40s, you know, '50s a little bit. Her name was Hedy Lamar. Yeah, I know that name. Okay. 
she was uh, she was an A lister, but she never got close to an Academy Award. Not that that means that you're the best. Come on, whatever. Yeah, but she was considered like pretty much unanimously to to be the most beautiful woman in Hollywood. And she did this thing that almost ruined her career, and it was full frontal nudity, nothing sexual per se. Actually, there was a, a scene that didn't involve her nudity in the same movie that where she just like it was her face. But she acted like, and she because she was she was being made love to or whatever, and she did this orgasm thing, whatever. Okay, that's Hedy Lamar, and it was pre-code, so you could do all the nudity you want. But they didn't do that much because you still had to sell the movie to the you know. And basic and basic common decency. In What's that? Time, you know, I said, oh. I said, and basic common decency of the time. Right, right, right. And she did this in Czechoslovakia when she was like 18. All right, she goes to America, she becomes a big star, and it wound up not crushing her career. The point being, though, is that that was she was. She was a typecast, just this beautiful person, you know, or beautiful actress. She was an inventor, right? Now, she invented, for instance, um, so different perfumes. She, I think she was the one who realized that skunk, skunk juice, you know, how it, in a very faint yeah. way can, can be like really, really wonderful to, for perfume, right? You know that. I think yeah. she, she discovered that and created some perfumes that got patented, like, all right, on her free time. She invented some. She invented the first, like, uh, powdered, um, where you add water and it becomes like a carbonated drink. I remember those as kids, right? Oh, oh yeah, like the you know just that fizzies. water, like the diff- the fizzies. Okay. Yeah, you put so a yeah. disc in the water, and it creates this like sugary carbonated drink. She she invented right. that. Guess what else she did? She listen to this. She invented the idea of random frequencies because during World War II, they were advanced enough by that time. To have radar. And so when they sent out a torpedo, they could control it because the ship might, uh, you know, turn left that they're trying to hit or the currents, whatever current, they don't know what the fuck, you know, there's some water. So the current might take the torpedo a certain way and they could tweak it back where they wanted to, right? By doing radar to see where the ship that they wanted to hit was. And then they could, using frequencies, radio frequencies, they could alter the course in the water of the torpedo to keep it on course to hit the target. <laughs> right? No, I mean, this was just, that was what they did. So, what the Germans figured out was how to jam the frequency. And so, if they could find that frequency that they were sending the signal to make the torpedo do its thing, you know, and alter the rudder. Yeah. You know, in other words, it seems pretty advanced, but it's kind of simple. It's all basically all right. So, 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 but once they found the frequency, then the Germans could jam the frequencies and make the torpedo be confused. It wouldn't have any more information, and it would just go off target. Right. What Hedy Lamar said was, you know what? She came up with the idea that if we took the technology of a grand piano, because that was, in a sense, random, where it was like, things, you know, just went all over the place, and it would be like uh, a, a mechanical, like, tweak that would that would create an electronic sound, blah, blah, blah. Right. If we miniaturize okay, it, she said, if so, we make it, if we make so, it really so, small. Hold on. Hold on. Can you please uh, land the plane for just a moment? So, so you're saying, so first of all, I just want to ask a question. Is it, 
So it's a it's basically a form of radio control that you're talking about that can be hacked back in the day, right? Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. So I'm see that. So what she did was what if we had random frequencies so that instead of having a single frequency, in other words, just like you have like a a radio frequency that you send a voice over now, even on radio, right? It would be like 98.6. Well, the idea is instead of being on one frequency, because you could jam that frequency idea, you know, theoretically, right? You could jam a radio frequency if it's on a set frequency. What she said is, well, what if we altered the frequency like every second or every half a second? So it wouldn't be on one particular frequency it would just change every couple seconds only because we would have the the same if you will uh grand piano kind of program that we know what the notes are going to be and we could tell the torpedo what those notes are going to be but the germans wouldn't know that we're going to what they're going to be changed to they would change too quickly so they would only be able to like occasionally hit the frequency uh, it sounds like you just described fm like in a sense, in a sense. But, but let me cut to the chase here. What it boiled okay. down to, what she uh, discovered or created was uh-huh. the technology that enables cell phones. Because okay. before the idea of being able to change the frequency rapidly, uh-huh. in other words, uh-huh. if you have like a walkie-talkie or you have a radio frequency, you have ham radios, you, you know, any of that stuff, you're only you're bound by the bandwidth. And you can't cram like millions and millions and billions of people on one bandwidth. But if you could, if you could, if every individual person, every individual cell phone could have its own randomized frequencies that are that are just taking place on like almost like a, a not quite speed of light basis, but then that way you could have infinite number of people talking at once. So, in other words, the same technology, the same principle that she created that she said could happen to be able to change the frequencies at random for torpedoes is the same technology that is what enables cell phones. And that's what this, that's what this bombshell uh, actress actually created. Yep. Hedy Lamar created the technology and invented or discovered whatever you want to call it, the technology that other, without which we would not be able to have cell phones. I'm down with that. I think I've heard it before, and you might have been the first one to tell me, but if not, I know I have heard it, uh, but that's a really good story. Uh, yeah, look it up. It's, it's like, yeah, it's... You know, uh, so, hey, Hanaheim. Hanaheim's in the queue. He called. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Hakeem? And um, Lance? Right. Yeah, I, I'm not really interested in phones and torpedoes, but sounds cool. I was you interested... Know. Or um, your studies in neuroscience, then, and if you have any idea of where consciousness is and what your idea of consciousness is, I'm very interested in that. If you want to chat about that, if not, that's fine. Great okay, subject. Uh, Great. I can't chat about that. I first want to um, offer both uh, uh, you guys can. There we go. Lance, thank you. And if Loki wants to come up too, so um, before. I get into that. Um, I just want to touch upon, finish, close out what Lance was talking about with Hedy Lamar and uh, her inventing the technology for. Um, and you said you, you don't care much for that, but um, I just want to say that I think that this is really fascinating uh, technology um, simply because um, those kind of things will actually affect <clears throat> our neurology. 
um, and in ways that are closer to what you're thinking about, uh, I suspect with, or, or I don't know what you, what you think about consciousness, but you asked my perspective on that. And um, so, well, one of the things is, is that where is consciousness? That's, I mean, dude, we're gonna get into some pretty, uh, you know, some, some open-ended ideas in some, in some ways, but I can say that um, there have been times in my life, and one of them was the, the other day, where um, I felt pretty uh, total. <laughs> I don't even know what that, uh, if you understand that, I, I felt pretty, like, just total. Um, not totaled, but where I was certain that, so I, I started to look at things this way, like that there's a formless wisdom, which, which all of the new thought teachers, which is a, a very specific branch of some new age, um, sect, you could call it, which is the ilk of the people who come from, who made the secret, um, and books like Thinking Grow Rich, and The Science of Getting Rich, and The Science of Mind, and Secret of the Ages, and the recording called The Strangest Secret in 1956, and all of those things like that, what the bleep do we know even? You know, all of this can, but what the bleep do we know is a little bit further removed, they're not actually, even though there's a bunch of new thought guys in there. Anyway, I digress, but the thing is, is that there's this idea um, where we get this whole uh, rhetoric of thoughts become things and we become what we think about. Uh, and that is this formless neutral substance that responds directly to the nature of our thought, which um, actually, I don't know if there's anywhere in the Christian Bible of this, and this is actually a question that I need to pose and find out from somebody. If any of you know this, I would like to know. But to me, and it may not mean this to anybody else, but some other people have agreed, which that doesn't mean anything. But to me, and this is what I've assumed to be true, and this is what's kind of crazy, is that I'm so radical in my behavior, uh, I think, sometimes, that I just don't give a shit what anybody else thinks about what, they're, about what the definition of anything is, even if everybody else thinks something different. Like, if they're like, no, that's red, and I'm saying, no, the sky is, uh, uh, the sky is red, and everybody's like, no, it's blue, I will just stick with that. I'll stick with it being red, even though everybody's like, dude, this guy's out of his mind. I think. I don't know if I'll go that radical. But in this, uh, I think um, yeah. about, yes. I'm, 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 a, I'm solipsistic as well. <clears throat> solipsistic, yes. Okay, so, but. Yes. Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin, nobody knows who she is, but she's great. She's, she's an actress, and she's a. Uh, political commentary uh, comedian. Really great. Yeah. And she said, um, I actually quoted her an essay I wrote like a billion years ago. Yeah. And she said something funny because there's an old cliche quote says, we're all in this together, right? Anyway, yeah. what she says is, we're all in this alone. That's that's really great, actually. Yeah, yeah, but you <laughs> know what I say? What? Lily Tomlin's right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We're all in this alone. Yeah. But yeah. we're all in this alone together. Hmm. So we got like seven billion solipsists, There's you know, with individual thoughts and 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 and, 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 and completely unconnected from each other. So we There's better figure it out, man. 
You know, so the idea that we're all completely disconnected is kind of the very thing that says that the argument is, well, that we better figure out a way to overcome that. Right. Hmm. Right. I suppose. So um, like, like I say, Lily Collins, right. We're all in this alone, but yeah, we're all in this alone together. Indeed we are. And um, I uh, think that uh, this is, you know, in what these, these whole, this whole new thought sect of, uh, I don't even know if it's like Christianity, but they, um, they have this idea that they put around, you know, thoughts become things we become, we think about and all that. And so the first thing about that is they believe that, you know, all is one and one is all. Um, uh, or you could even say what Ulysses S. Anderson says in his book, Three Magic Words, that God in all, all in God. Um, and so really about consciousness, where is it? It's everywhere. And I think it's in Cleveland. Probably, because Cleveland is part of everywhere. Um, but not in uh, a way that cannot be at least grasped logically when I say everywhere, because a lot of times people say things like that and, and then just leave it. Well, there's like, people oh, that don't, there are people that don't believe that Cleveland can be grasped logically either. So. Yeah. Possibly be so. I want to look for Cleveland. I know that they have a terrible... Uh, um, no, I'm not going to say that. I have no idea. I'm not a sports fan. I was going to say they have a terrible baseball team because I, I roughly remember there's like the Cleveland Braves or Indians or one of those things like that. They have but, a terrible uh, everything team. Yeah. But I just, but I don't, I don't follow sports like that. So for me to say that would just cause unnecessary trouble. Right. All right. Well, they go <laughs> to go back to go back to the philosophical. There's the whole oh, right. idea of I think, therefore I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, couldn't yeah, that just easy, just as easily be expressed? <laughs> There goes Edna with a saxophone. Sure. Um, or just, I think. Or I am. One of the, any of the two will suffice. But so, just like how, you know, people will say everywhere, right? What, what exactly are we talking about everywhere? What does that mean? You know, why would you say something silly like this? Um, well, it comes from that, the fact that for long times, long periods of my life, I've had to think about existence because I feel insecure and afraid and um, like, you know, I have to be some kind of, like, you know what, I've been really fucking heavily influenced by cartoons. You're really hard to hear, man. I don't know if you're outside or what's going on, but uh, maybe it was just a glitch because you were hearing me fine for a second just now. Sometimes it goes in, sometimes it goes off. How's it now, sir? Hello? Yes, sir. Hello, hello. That's a little, that's better. Yeah, there's just a lot of ambient noise, like sounds of the city. Oh, hold on. Let me, yeah, let me um, see if I can drown that out with this stupendous app I have here. Yeah, I just went, I had to come outside, so let me see. Where's Hahan and Loki, man? Chime in. Chime in. Oh, yeah, that's not going to help anything. But I can hear what you guys are talking about. It is very fucking loud out here. <laughs> it is incredibly loud out here. This is ridiculous. My goodness. All right. Well, 
So I'm just looking for some kind right. of evidence apart. So I'm just looking for some kind of evidence apart from what it seems like us being robot um, biological zombies. So any kind of evidence of consciousness, so that's what I'm looking for. I just wondered whether you found any. <laughs> so uh, it must be, yeah. I don't know, sometimes people just feel like a meat, a meat sack, I guess. But, yeah. Um, that's it. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's, that's uh, I think that's the effect of the kind of philosophies and the really just unnoticed philosophies that kind of govern our life and one of those is kind of a, a materialism you know what i mean like in in our little world today you know it's kind of it's like one of the justifications of actions by you know governments and institutions so it kind of falls into that you know the it, it, in like the basically the philosophy of modern science that we have which you know has has some points, but I don't think is really anything close to a complete complete you know system of thought or you know of, of clarity of the world. You know what I mean? It has a lot of room, like way more room for improvement than you know. It, it, it holds on, but sometimes it barely holds on like I'm not so sure that modern science is not only on the wrong track. I'm not so sure that many of the underlying pillars and pinnacles upon which modern science derives its so-called knowledge might be full of shit to begin with. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. Like, even Talk if you have about that when I get to a quieter place. All right. Yeah, even if you have an ideology that you subscribe to, you know, it, you know, by your words, it doesn't mean that. That's you know that's your that's your ideology by your actions, like often those are two different things, and yeah, like like politicians and stuff they they want us to subscribe to some lofty abstract ideals where they sub, while they subscribe to right. to actions that no. make them richer, you know, like they're subscribing to actions, not just thoughts and ideals and they're not waxing philosophically too much which I, it's not like I, I I believe in the value of that but I also believe against certain kinds of problems it it's not as effective you know what I mean you have to you have to basically start the scientific process through trial and error and get shit done sometimes you know what I mean well here's what I would say yeah so when we say we're a nation of laws, not men, okay, well, we're a nation of laws that were written by, not only were they written by a small segment of like, you know, rich white property owners, from which all succeeding laws are just tweaks, but flawed, flawed rich white property owners with agendas. That's who wrote the laws. So it isn't like that they were zapped onto a tablet by God to Charlton Heston, you know, and given to the masses. Okay. So we say, we must follow the law, follow the law. We've got like a thousand, we got like 10, literally like 10,000 more laws than we had in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. 
Because we just also, did all kinds of regular everyday behavior and said, oh, no, some people don't like that. Let's make it against the law. So the right. law is a, is a bunch of it's a bunch of garbage. The law is what a bunch of people that are in power, what the capitalists decide, what's going to help them further their their agenda. OK, yeah. science. When we say, wait, let me let me let me make this point. We say follow the science. Now, I think we at least realize that law has some flexibility, that you have one side versus the other side. So, yeah, science is no more perfect than the quote unquote, the law. Science is what a bunch of people who decided this is what the facts we're going to start with. This is the in other words, it's very deductive. It's not inductive. In other words, deductive is if this is true, then that is true. Well, once you de- decide what the premise is, what the if is, then you, you almost decided what the then's going to be. Instead of saying, no, we just need to constantly accumulate inductively. We don't have an if or a that. We just take all of the knowledge and suck it up like a vacuum and then decide what makes sense. That's the only thing that I think makes sense is inductive reasoning, not deductive. Because you're not really testing a hypothesis if this is true. Well, you have to assume it's true. And it becomes real easy to go from, well, it, what if it's true to, well, it must be true, therefore. So, no, I'm sorry. That's what science yeah, that's, is. Science, that, that's science, science. science that's is no logic, more. Though. What I'm saying is science is no less a product of the, you know, the, 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 the sensibilities and the opinions and the mores and whatever it is okay. that we that, that create law, science is so, just as just as subjective. Science is right. no not even one iota more objective than anything right. else that we do. We think it's like somehow, oh, of all the things we do, we have laws, we have economics, Good and they're morning, all flawed, man. and they all have gray areas. But boy, science is black and white. No, it's just as subjective because of the underlying facts that we that we that we assume. Now that doesn't mean that like the people before Copernicus could have been right. Mm-hmm. So, good morning, Lance. Um, but I thank you for that. Now listen to this. Um, first of all, one I completely agree up to my understanding right now with you about inductive reasoning as opposed to deductive and as a premise to start. And this falls into the category of what we could call materialism versus idealism, right? And I ha- and, and Hanaheim was asking for evidence of, of something that makes us more than just basically mechanical meat suits. Um, and, uh, and also uh, Loki was saying that as well. And uh, so the only things I can point to are, uh, first of all, I have my own experiences, then there's scientific research that maybe a lot of people aren't looking at. And, for example, I'm going to say things the way that I am because people sometimes like to hear these titles and who's connected to certain things. So first of all, there's a guy named Dr. Edgar Mitchell. He is the sixth man to walk on the moon. He uh, was one of the founders of something called IONS, Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is now headed by a man named Dean Radin. Now, for some reason or the other, maybe one of you guys know this, I don't care about those details. What I care about is that it's true that many different scientists and laboratories had uh, placed around the world random number generators that were just for some reason, well, generating numbers randomly for their data. I don't know why they were doing it. 
However, at some point in time, these scientists were talking to each other from these different laboratories, and they were like, hey, look at this. These uh, random number generators, they ain't acting so random. And so they said, let's take a look more. So as they investigated further, they saw that this de-randomization, I just called it that, uh, but this sudden coherence uh, or increasing coherence happened around significant events in the world. And they could track them to significant dates because they saw they converged on dates. And one of them was the... Uh, when the, when, the, when the World Trade Center got hit by the two planes. And the, the other one, just for example, in contrast, was the, uh, the day of the, and the time around the, the verdict of the O.J. Simpson trial. And so they just noticed that these, these significant dates, you know, people's consciousness was focused on this, that the random gem generators were also becoming more coherent. So think about what I'm saying here. And I just thought about this even more uh, clearly right now, that people's attention was becoming more coherent. They were all looking at, right, the same thing. Their attention was on the same thing. So many people's attention was on the O.J. Simpson trial's outcome, as so many people were also on what was happening on September 11th, 2001. So their thoughts were becoming more coherent, and these supposedly random number generators now became more coherent. So... This information got passed along, and then scientific research was done on it, where they decided to repeat these experiments, of course, using what? The mind, thoughts, to see if they could also then make these ra make random number generators become more, more coherent. So Dean Radin, the head of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, decided to uh, get together a team of people that they would do this research with, and they decided to, to uh, recruit advanced or highly skilled meditators and so they then had these highly skilled meditators decide that they were going to change or what i'm now calling steer steer the outcomes of random number generators and so they did these experiments and over and over again they got the results that they wanted they got either more ones or more zeros or whatever it was they were attempting to push the random number generators to give more of and so this has done so much, and then it finally got to, more recently, uh, about a year or two ago, there was a documentary from that same organization. Or not a documentary, it was a recording of a presentation by Dean Radin. And it was called uh, something about telepathy or telekinesis may be true or whatever, or, or science proves that telekinesis is true or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the title was, but it's, I'll find it, and I can, maybe I'll put it here while we're still in the room. <clears throat> but... Um, so then these experiments repeated over and over again for many years. And the results that they were getting, they said, and I'd never heard this term before about sigma assignments or sigma designations to the results of experiments. But they said that the, uh, and this has to do with probabilities now, but, but they said that uh, a lot of these experiments were, were so high that they were surpassing the requirements that are needed to, to get a Nobel Prize. Like to get a Nobel Prize, for example, they said you just have to hit sigma six of the probabilities of, of getting certain results. But they were getting upwards of like seven, eight, nine sigma. So, uh, so then, while at, shortly after I watched that documentary, I happened to be here in the United States now from uh, from being overseas for five years, and uh, one uh, particularly uh, uh, I don't know grief fueled night, also accompanied by vodka. I decided that I was going to repeat this experiment. And so 
I downloaded a random number generator from the uh, Google Play Store. Nothing special, but vodka. I- I'm fueled by vodka right now. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, I-, I stopped drinking in April though because it was doing me no good. But um, drink as you will. And I uh, so I downloaded a random number generator called RNG something uh, RNG Pro. And yes, and I bought the pro version so I wouldn't be interrupted by ads or anything else uh, funky on there. Then I also got a screen capture um, uh, software. It was like so I forget what that one's called right now, but I did. I also got the pro version of that, so I wouldn't have any problems. So I could capture exactly what was going on the screen and put my ugly mug on there as well, because it's supposed to be recording for like I guess gamers or whatever on the mobile device. But you know, you can use these things for so many more things, so many more purposes. So. Um, I got to uh, devising a system to decide ahead of time uh, where I was going to steer the random number generator to go. So now, let me just stop right here for a second and say that what I'm going to tell you is going to uh, basically uh, answer your question in a way that there is something definitely apart from our physical bodies um, that we can call consciousness and that it operates uh, instantaneously and beyond space and time. And there are ways to track this, and you will hear about that. But first, uh, let me continue with the experiment that I set up. So I had this coin from Taiwan, and it's a 50 uh, Taiwan dollar coin, which is not a lot, so that's why it's in a coin form, right? And so I decided that if I flipped this Taiwan dollar, that the uh, $50 coin, that the heads would represent one, and that the tails would represent zero. So I set the random number generator to have the highest number be one, and of course the lower to be zero, and to only generate those two numbers uh, I would randomly when, a, when the screen was touched on the, the, the little icon that said generate. So, so what I would do is I'd flip that ahead of time and that would determine. So not, mind you, I'm grieving, I'm feeling, dr- I'm drunk, and I am, not feeling happy, but I need to do this stuff because I'm obsessed with this shit. So I flipped the coin, and I don't remember exactly where it landed on, but let's just say it was uh, heads. Um, and so I was to steer the random number generator to give me <laughs> to give me heads. <laughs> anyway, so so the um, so I did that, and sure enough, it got you know I got the result I wanted to steer it for, which was heads. And hmm. Interesting. Somebody just asked me to be a host on your show. All right. So then um, I uh, uh, did a second one and it was a fail. So pass. I I did what I wanted to do. The next one was a fail. It didn't do what I wanted to do. So then I did because I was feeling distracted. And I even say this on the videos because the videos on YouTube, by the way. And um, so then I said, okay, I need to devise somebody to, to focus myself. So then I took a, an index card, I ripped it in half, on one, one of the index cards a zero, and put that to my left, and I wrote on the other one a numeral one, and put that to my right. And then um, I recorded in another mobile device that I have my voice saying very, very, ro- uh, very robotically, uh, one, 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 and another one, zero, 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 and put it on loop whenever I flipped one of them. So then I went there, and number three got a pass. And then What's was the percentage? Passed. And it, like well, overall, it was like with all your tests, what was the percentage of passes? And then so three, four, 
yeah, three and four were passed. But anyway, then what happened? Every, yes, yes, yes. Right. So let me, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll sum that up right now. So, um, but, but this is very significant because when I made that intervention, all of a sudden it went from there to the next eight in a row were all passes. And that's really crazy stuff for something like that to happen. And so then, um, anyway, out of all the fifth, so basically I did 15 flips in one test. So I did 15 and I did 15 times by 15 grid. So I, for every 15 trials I did, I did that 15 times and all of them were, were passes. So there were no, there were no complete fails out of that whole list of, of 15. So there were 15 trials and all of them passed meaning there were more of what I desired to happen than not. I don't know what the percentage is because I didn't go that far, but uh, it's recorded in detail and even written out on, um, on, the, on, my, on the online. So you can, and actually it's on uniquilibrium.com. So you can go there, I'll find it and I'll put it here. You, so you can go there and look and somebody who's better at math than I am can, can figure out the percentages. Um, but it's overwhelming. Like every single one of them was a, was a pass. So that means that- Sounds like- yeah. What you're hitting at is someone along the lines of like quantum thought, which is the idea of it's the uh, the observation of something that actually, it, well, no. you know, affects. I don't. Uh, I no, know no, I'm not making about. a direct. I'm not. I'm not saying that's yeah. that's exactly what you're saying, but it reminds me of that. Oh, okay, got you. Yes, uh, I think that it might be. I think you could be correct that maybe something like that is related, but. Um, you could also think of quantum entanglement and maybe how thought and information transfers immediately like that. Um, and uh, what, what you're talking about is what some people call, have mistakenly called the Heisenberg uncertainty principle because they don't know, or uh, Schrodinger's cat experiment, but people get those things mixed up with this uh, Copenhagen interpretation. Um, yeah. But I don't think there's yeah. anything particularly otherworldly outside of what we know in terms of telekinesis. Everything yeah. is about brain waves. We know magnet, magnet, magnetic forces can emanate out from the for, you know, force field from which it emanates from. You know, so yeah. it doesn't seem that far-fetched. For sure. I got two points on the far-fetchedness of like, the phenomenon. Like, the word is far fetched. A lot of Eastern. Right, just, yes, <laughs> just a moment. Yeah, just a moment. Um, yeah, the, a lot of Eastern religions, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, for example, and lots of Middle Eastern religions, they have a lot of tales that describe, you know, things that seem very similar to the phenomenon we discuss now. And so there's there's a history of observation. There's there's experiential evidence technically, and we all like to say, oh no, they're 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 stone stone age people. They're ancient people. They're stupid. They're not. They couldn't read. They did a, like, but they still had like the around the same size brain as we have, and probably like you know not too off temperament. So I'm sure there'll be some curious people there too. But um, on, on, on the other hand. That they had there's, the there's the influence of these, you know, ancient, these ancient religions on, you know, uh, Europe and a lot of that world, like a lot of culture of Europe, you know, like through Rome, 
was influenced by a lot of you know a lot of eastern places because they like that's what empires do empires they go oh, we're conquering other people but they also get swallowed at the same time by the cult cultures they conquer for, yeah. you know for practical reasons like oh this sword is better oh this food tastes way better than our food our food is junk you know yeah, like, yeah. it happens and naturally and the christians stole their whole act from the pagans yep and so you have this dynamic going on, and I feel we're kind of at the end of that dynamic where now this thing we created called science is trying to, like, prove a lot of these concepts that we find in Buddhism and Hinduism and, you know, Jainism and Zoroastrianism. Like, like some of these, you know, some things, things are kind of just, they're more analogous to stories in these texts like it's it's like a fable that kind of explains it in a simplified way but then yeah. some things are more are more direct too you know what i mean some things are like yeah. you know almost exactly the way it is they describe these phenomena and me i've had personal experience with you know paranormal things so it's like i don't you know so it's like for me it's ex experiential too so if someone wants to just say no no that doesn't exist that doesn't exist no i, yes. I don't see any evidence for it then I yeah. just have to let them be that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Can, can I can I just throw this all at you? I'll see if you agree. So, in other words, Newton, right? He was actually kind of a weird guy. I remember going all the way back to college when I was first, you know, in my twenties, and then ever since then, yeah, Newton was really weird. He was a weird dude. And a lot of scientists and artists are, but he was even weirder than most, right? Anyway, but also Greek. But what, what I was going to say was. I'm sorry. So, but what I was going to say is that, in any case, he said, "I think it's he. I think it's Newton who said, I stand on the shoulders of giants.' You know, who realized that you know he, that that it was people before him that helped him think through things the way he did, right? Like Archimedes or whoever, right? And Newton would have said, I'm sure, I've uh, maybe uh, created more questions than I've answered. Einstein would say the same thing. They all say that, right? Yeah, we figured everything out. No, they, none of them say that. No, maybe we're getting closer here, but we create more questions. I guess my point would be this. We're no further. We're no closer. We're just as far away from the idea that, oh, no, there can't be a God or there must be a God. No. Or that science is going to prove everything. I don't. That's what my point was about. Maybe we're all full of shit. There's people that are saying that, like Graham Hock, Hancock and others, about, I think it's in South America, near near Machu Picchu, where they discovered this, like, metal. Figure out how it was made because it's harder than Damascus steel or any kind of uh, alloy. They can't even quite figure out exactly what other, what allies are all in it. And it's harder than any steel they that we've ever created. And it's like, you know, tens and tens of thousands of years old, things like that, you know, that are just like inconvenient information. Like as a lot of these ancient sites, there's like, like yeah, the narrative, yeah. like the, the, the mainstream narrative, narrative on human history is a big influence on modern archaeologists today and when they're like oh actually this this throws a monkey wrench in your fucking plans or in your paradigm then they're like uh maybe keep that to your oh how, better yet 
let's put this in storage at the museum and let it collect dust with the fucking other thousands of artifacts that don't fit the narrative. You know what I mean? Right. But, and people don't talk about this shit, especially the Vatican. The Vatican has oh my god, all freaking just... swooped up all kinds of stuff, and and that's that's kind of it's like a it's it is a kind of a Western conspiracy because like Europeans have done this all over the world. Like any art. You know, they collect artifacts just to kind of loot and plunder, but especially yeah. things that show that the civilization was more advanced than Europe. Oh, well, we got to take that shit out. You know what I mean? Man, I'll tell you so. something. I consider myself very heterodox and, you know, very like, 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 like question everything, skeptical of everything. And I'm telling you something, man. I, and I, I really pride myself on this. I don't have scales on my eyes, but yes, 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 I do. Because... The whole way of looking at things have been, it's hundreds and hundreds of years of history being written by a certain group of people. And it's like, yes, I still have to constantly, you know, take more and more scales off my eyes because everything we think is, is probably wrong. Way more than we thought. We're just, we're just wrong about like real basic scientific stuff about how advanced we are, like you're saying, or how advanced people used to be. You want to hear something weird? This is totally non sequitur. I'm at my doppelganger as a little kid once. I mean, I'm at my real doppelganger, which is the subject for all of Nice music. Oh, my mic is off, isn't it? I don't know how that happened. I'd love. I don't know. How all right. I'd love to give a possibly a voice of. I would say, if I can, if I can be bold and say reason. Um, I used to be very interested in conspiracy. Th I can say it because conspiracy theories, if you don't mind me saying, and I absolutely love conspiracy theories because in them there is a lot of truth. But um, I'd just be careful when I, I just I could be completely wrong, but careful when um, saying modern science and the modern narrative is off course uh, as the scientific community really welcomes challenging. Um, if you can challenge a, a view, any kind of view in any of the scientific fields, you're you're rewarded. Like they, they love this. No, that, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Too. Wait a minute. Can I push Let back on that? We have a we have a little back. You, you have a lot of voice oh, time, and you finish, finish so, your. Oh well, you can go ahead. But then, if you don't like, no, I was just going to say um, uh, the, the scientific yeah, so community you, loves you, being challenged. Let's just talk. You know, and they like being uh, were you, were you, wrong. That's you the have whole idea of science. That it's not. Uh -huh. um, it's not uh, like a dogma. You can you can prove it wrong, and they enjoy being proved wrong. So if there is some kind of evidence that does show that some truth is not true, like we have some kind of technology that's more advanced or something. Uh, presenting this with evidence then would change the narrative. Like the narrative is not controlled by some kind of elite group of scientists, if you know what I mean. Well, I'll push that science. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's mo yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Akeem. There's definitely money motivation in science. There's profit motive, profit drive, you know, and, and it's not just science. A lot of industries become this way, but it does, it distorts the kind of the correct ideals of science, just like, you know, doctors that are financialized don't follow their Hippocratic oath often over, over their, you know, their, uh, their bank account number.
But do you think a um, having more money will make your scientific proof more? Do you think having more money will make your scientific proof um, more reliable? Uh, it could make it more. It could be evidence that it's unreliable because it could be evidence that you've been bribed. But the thing is, bribery has kind of become the norm because they call it lobbying. Like every. Every like science is kind of connected to an industry. Otherwise, how could they do experiments? Like, how could they have what they what they need to, you know, to exist in a way? That's why, you know, fringe sciences are basically sciences that are underfunded. You know Business what I mean? Conferences. Tonight. Well, when it's, whenever it's my turn, I'd, I'd like to. I'd love to make a couple of points about that. I'm good. Go well, first of all so-called science, like Lancet, New England Journal of Medicine, they're completely corrupted. If you don't tow the pharma line, they'll destroy your career. Now, that's the corrupt side, okay? So let me take you in good faith, you know, right? Take the best faith argument that, okay, that's corrupt people. But that science, they just they just want to be shown the new way, and they're ready to be have their mind changed based on new facts. That's never been true. They put Galileo in house arrest. They thought Pasteur was a nut because he wanted to inject a little bit of cowpox in him to show how we could cure smallpox. Okay. So. so so whether it's genetic fallacy out of corruption or whether it's because very well-meaning scientists throughout history, no, they've always, not, not the masses, not the ignoramuses, I mean the scientists' community, you know, during the, wait a minute, wait a minute, during, wait a minute, during just, the Renaissance, which is early on, right, before the Enlightenment, and then through the Enlightenment age, Anybody who had a new scientific theory, whether it's, you know, we're always you know, excoriated and said, no, 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 because we, the existing scientists, they didn't want news. They didn't want new thought. So whether it's because of corruption, whether it's because that's where their grants got funded or whether it's because that's just where the minds of the day decided where we were. We don't need any new thoughts scientifically. It's never been the case that they've always welcomed new thoughts. And what? No, they had to came, come in kicking and screaming by the eccentric weirdos that they always tried to destroy. Okay. No, they were never welcomed. Very rare examples of that. That the, that the new that the new thought that was actually was more correct was welcomed with open arms because we're all enlightened uh, scientists. No, they fought against it and destroyed people literally and figuratively, tooth and nail from day one to now. So I think I think you're to 180 degrees the opposite of what so you're saying, Bob. I would say no, that's pr- no offense. Well, that's, so I would say that's a bit of a genetic fallacy there, but in the past. I would say, yes, new ideas. Sometimes if they do go against a group, they would be unhappy about it, like Galileo and these people. But would you say, would I be wrong in saying that scientific inquiry and um, skepticism is being more encouraged now than it has been in the past? Okay, well, 
if you if you think that, then I would I would say. Well, it, would, give me an example of where where I'm wrong. Because working in education in schools across in in the hey, majority of schools in education systems in the world, encouraging. So, in education systems in the world, the encouragement of critical thinking. Oh, it's not. No, is, no, no. Is, the is idea. No, no, no. It's, it's not just K through twelve or the yeah. fact that. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, okay. Let me give you this example because I gave this example a little while ago. I lived in Syracuse, New York. I live in Syracuse, New York. Like a lot of campuses, when you walk up the main drag, you know, from campus, and then you get to the main buildings, and then behind that is the quad, right? Like a lot of places have quads, around which are all the big main buildings. The biggest, mainest building. The very biggest, when you walk up the main stone steps to campus, it's called the Hall of Languages. Now, Syracuse was founded in the late 1800s, 1869 or something like that. And the Hall of Languages was a liberal arts building. To the right of that is the administration building, which is a really nice building, too. And it's smaller. It's not front and center. I mean, front and center is the Hall of Languages. It's bigger, it's taller, and everything. And then to the right of the administration building up a hill is Krauss College, which has one of the biggest organs in the Northeast. It's wonderful, wonderful building. Beautiful, right? And it's smaller. But so, in other words, what I'm saying is, and then behind that are the engineering buildings, arts buildings, et cetera. Now, today, this has been pointed out in an article I read recently, interestingly enough, is that the biggest, baddest buildings on every campus now are the business schools. And the business schools, like the Koch brothers and folks, they go in and they say, yup, we got $50 million for a brand new business building. One stipulation is you got to cancel your humanities program. They literally do that. You cancel it, and we'll do it. And they do it. Go look. Go look. Go look. Wait a minute. The reason there's not humanities program. Wait a minute. The re- wait a minute. Let me finish this point. The reason there's not humanities programs in college which teach critical thinking is because the powers that be and the billionaires they don't want critical thinking. They want people to be trained in business, in law, in medicine to be pill counters. This is what people in the medical community, by the way, say. Yes, we learn Gray's Anatomy. We learn the physiology, you know, we learn the science. Then, do we learn how to cure folks? No. We learn the, the constant barrage of new pills. That's what doctors are trained to do. That's what lawyers are trained to do, is to follow the system of the people that are the, the, the one percenters. So don't tell me that that's what's going on in law schools or medical schools, let alone in grad schools or, 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 or in grads of any kind. They're being trained to be the next generation of sociopathic, non-empathy financiers. Why? Because we say the law school and medical school, you go into debt for half a million dollars. You can't. We weed out empathy. We weed out empathy before you spend the first day as an intern because you've already are in debt for four, three or four or five hundred thousand dollars before, you know, in debt before you even enter medical, before the minute you get out of medical school. So don't tell me it's all about scientific inquiry and curing people or, or justice in the law schools. It's about furthering the capitalist one percent oligarch to control the rest of us. Listen. Lance, Mike Lance. here. Hello. I have a, I have a, I have a mute button. Aside okay. from the, okay. Lance. So, 
aside from the oscillation of the attenuator or whatever you, you want to call it, the potentiometer and the volume, respond to the actual points I made because I think that I think that I think Um, well, you made like 20 different points there. So I would say that the education systems across the world, in the Western sphere at least, um, in international education at least, is focusing far more now on critical thinking, in um, skepticism. And, and I've seen curriculums, international curriculums, where this is the case. So I don't know where you're getting your information from, whether it's just the analogy of your down the road university, but on the international education sphere, the direction is towards critical thinking, skepticism, questioning the world, and finding um, evidence. So I would agree with that and what Honaheim just said, and also add to it that um, I've also seen, it's like for example, the Institute of Noetic Sciences was founded by Edgar Mitchell, who's the sixth man to walk on the moon, right? So. Uh, that's pretty, that's kind of as mainstream as you get, a fucking astronaut, and the, the fact that they're able to put on these huge conferences, um, they have funding, you know what I mean, Some, somebody's funding this, this research, for them to have such clean production, and to be able to be, to be in these, these, now, the fact that, that not a lot of people know about all of that stuff, that's a different story, right? The fact that not everyone's paying attention to it, now that's a different thing, but it exists. And so many uh, institutions are getting research for it. Like, for example, okay, who would have thought, which, which one of you guys know about the movie um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Have you guys heard of that? Anybody? So, anyway, it's this movie, Kirsten Dunstan is it, I think, and they, they have a program, Loki. Uh, that's the one with Jim Carrey, right? Yeah, it might be. They were in love, and, and you know, he just had a real yeah. break. It's kind of that was like a trippy one, yeah. So anyway, long story short, neuroscience news. I'm reading this maybe a week or two ago, and I read about a technology for that they they found out by accident that they can actually erase people's fucking memories through using two piano chords at a certain time to, so first they hook up people to functional MRI, and they, um, so they, they, uh, they hook them up to functional MRI, right? And then they, uh, um, so they hook them up to functional MRI, right? And they scan the brain waves. And in scanning the brain waves, they, um, they get the pattern. Um, of what it is, right? So they can record the pattern of what the brainwaves are doing when the person has like a certain experience. Like maybe they, they play them a sound or they show them an image and they see the brainwave pattern that happens from that. And then they look at it when people think about it again. They say, okay, now recall when you saw such and such or when we showed you this and that. And they record those again. So now they have a baseline of what those memories are doing. And what they started doing then is that every time the person would think that they would play a tone. But, and so then they were able to, just like Pavlov's dogs, they were able to retrieve 
that memory by playing the tone again. But what they found by accident is that, so that's called targeted memory retrieval, right? And so what they found is that if they kept on doing that before the person slept and had REM dreams, for some reason, before they had REM dreams, it would knock that memory out or weaken the strength of the memory. They found that the more they did it, the weaker the memory becomes to the point where they discovered something called retrieval-induced forgetting. So it's, 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 uh, it seemed like science fiction, right? But here we are now. And so many of these things are going on in laboratories. And like some of the most bizarre shit you could ever fucking think of that they're doing. And don't, let's not forget that there are laboratories in England that were publishing papers that they were making fucking like cybrids and chimeras and shit in the laboratories that they're mixing fucking humans and animals together. And then they had to shut it down. You know, it's like, this is not like any of this far-fetched stuff is not being researched. What people might think is far-fetched is that for, I don't know why we even think that anymore. Like why anything is really out there so much just because we're so influenced by the by the mainstream media, really. And I'm saying that freaking term mainstream media, mainstream media. Right? But that really is it. It's just like, we're, we're, how, what are we following that we think that this stuff is not happening? Like so many of us think and I even say so. I'm like, man, it's so weird. It's so far out there. It's like amazing. No, it's just fucking normal shit that's going on. I read this neuroscience news articles every day and like, what the hell are they doing? Like there, there's so many things that are but based under psychology that might as well be called fucking magic, the shit that they're doing in, in these labs. So it's like, I mean, so many of the things that, that you hear debunked in public, like the like meridians and acupuncture, they're using fucking machines that they surround you with different fucking colors of light. I forget what it's called, it's, but it's some kind of phototherapy where they're pointing certain frequencies of light photon focused at specific meridian points that have been... Uh, identified by Chinese acupuncturists. And so now they're focusing certain frequencies of light on there and they're called biophotons and they're, they're changing the direction and the spin and the, and the frequency of them. And of course, we know that this is a thing with frequencies of photons because that's how you get leaps. Hakeem. Yes. Um, just real, real quick point. Uh, I think in, in like Europe, like the scientists in Europe and the scientists in like some Asian countries and a few other places, they are not as bought out, I guess, as, you know, mainstream scientists in the States. So they kind of, these, these alternative therapies, these new technologies, they're more open to it. They're more open to innovation because I think in the United States, there's a lot of um, old, there's a lot of old moneyed interests that are kind of digging in their heels against the new money, which is the tech industry. You know what I mean? There's this kind of, there's an economic tug of war for, you know, all the money going on there. I, I, I think can... tests have been done on these. I think tests have been done on these um, alternative therapies, though. There are numerous tests done on like acupuncture. I know is, is useful for migraines, but there are tests that show that it's not useful for many of the other things that are mentioned. Like the, the people do do tests on these things. I think it is kind of, it is kind of like a false narrative that these things um, are helpful and they're just hushing it up. I think that's not true, really, because there is a lot of evidence. Like people do research these things. There's a massive, there's, there's hundreds of research articles into like, um, into uh, what is it called? The 
<laughs> the needle thing. I've forgotten it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just slipping I'll frame it this way. I'll, I'll frame exactly it this way for you, Hohenheim. Is that you're kind of the you got kind of a I don't know. To to me, it's it's a it's a false logic that you know it has to be one way or the other. I think these things exist at the same time. That. Where okay, I thought that's what you're saying. But anyways, I'll let me just frame I'm it. Saying so the a, science. Or, there's a lot of research already being done on acupuncture. Like they, right. it's not like they're pushing it up. Like you can look at the research, you can look at the test. There's hundreds of journals being published on acupuncture and its usefulness, and it is useful for migraines. It is useful for pain, for because basically it just activates your um, your body's reaction to pain. So it gives you natural painkillers. It gives you natural um, what is it called St uh, steroid, uh, like an in internal steroid or reaction or something. I can't remember yeah. what it is, but that's it, what it, it does. So it works on the nerves. No, yeah. Yeah, so, but then this idea that we have these um, these points, these these things, this these different uh, like some kind of spiritual world, and that you're accessing this, 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 there is no evidence for this kind of thing, and it, people people use that to make a large amount of money, and I care very much about the truth and and, and people being given proper health care. So when people kind of use this to make money. And to fool people, that's where I have a big problem. That's, that's so not I'm, all people yeah. that believe in the spirit world are like con men. You know, I, I'm sure there, I'm sure there are, but there's lots of con men scientists as well, like selling us drugs that that aren't even like seventy percent effective, and selling them as like you know, a yes. you know, but that's a another plus, plus. That's another reason. Products that's a, like you. Yeah, so there's that. That's no, part that's, of it. That's part of it as as well. So with that comes the oppression, the oppression of uh, of ideas that would compete with them financially if they were to be dispersed widely, and any any type of any type of uh, new knowledge or new science that could m more or less like put our health. <laughs> put our well-being, put our energy, put all these kind of things into our own hands that could kind of create a more localized type of society and less like, you know, long supply chain, ultra globalized, you know, economically. We can be globalized with knowledge. We can share knowledge. That's fine. But as far as e economies stretching across the whole freaking globe for no particular reason other than to make money for, for no practical that's, reason. That's another reason. Then, like yeah, you got to reel that shit in. You know what I mean? So that's that's a that's a huge oh, man. That's, as well. You can't discount. That's another reason I think, Loki, is is it what I was just saying is these people make a lot of money. The, the people I'm sure people believing in spiritual world is that's great. I do it myself, but then I don't go and make money off something that I don't yet understand yet, and that's what these people do, and that's what I have a problem with. Um, but then, of course, other side. Can I make a common point? Too. I'll finish, then I'll, I'll just disappear. I need to shower and sleep. I've got to drive. So I'll just finish. That. So scientists no, no, do no. make money. People do make money out of, um, for bad reasons, of course. Scientists do. Everyone loves to make money. Like people who just sell um, cheap clothes, cheap food. Like everyone tries to make money. But these people are literally selling. The, I'm talking about these people, these spiritual healers, these people that give. Um, yeah, you just just give a poor service for a lot of money. That's what I have a problem with. Yeah, I'd love to make there was about eight points I could debate, but I'll make three. Right, so 
as far as like, right, we talk about national health care. I think a lot of it, what you have in Europe, which is great, free health care. What is it? What? You know, well, it's not free, of course, paid in taxes, whatever. Universal health care that you don't have to pay out of pocket. Great. But they're, what, they're, what they're offering is universal Western drug-oriented, not about curing people, you know, medicine. Oh, yeah, doesn't cost folks a lot of money, but it's still horrible. <laughs> the outcomes are not necessarily that great compared to what they could be. A couple of other points, so. Um, back in the day, after I was a pretty educated person about racial issues, I was a leftist out of the womb, you know. Anyway, cut to the chase. I learned from a lot of, frankly, radical lesbian feminists, right, about some things, right, about, because I already knew about COINTELPRO and about the the, the murdering of the the freedom riders in the South and the FBI infiltrating the anti-war stuff. I mean, you know, I wasn't naive per se, right? And they were talking about a lot of other stuff beyond that, right? And it was like, wow, interesting, wow, you know. And also, Eastern stuff. Here's something they said. This is like in the, like around the, like late seven, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, within the next couple of decades, give it about twenty years, you won't be able to exist in society if you don't let them embed a microchip into your skin. If you don't allow them to do that, you won't be allowed to participate in society. And it's like, I was like, okay, guys, you taught me a lot of stuff. A lot of it's interesting. Now you're really kind of putting on the tinfoil hat. That's that's like a conspiracy theory. And goddamn if they weren't, aren't they closer and closer to the absolute fucking truth? Because that's already being floated about future pandemics and how we're going to make people get their shots is by embedding a chip in their skin. And by the way, one step away from that is what Trudeau did in Canada and said, well, no, you don't have a chip in your skin, but you have all of your money is tied up electronically in banks and we can stop you from being able to pay your rent if we want to. There's people that are voluntarily doing that in, you know, some richer countries for the convenience of it, you know, but also middle class people for, so for them it works, but in the future, you'll own nothing and you'll, and you'll be happy. Getting a chip as a political dissenter, like what does that mean? You know, I'm sure it's not good. Like you, you would just have to trust them that you know the chip, that the purposes of the chip and the data stored in it, and like like this is this is really about trust. You know what I mean? And if you can't trust them with simple welfare of society, how can you trust them to put something under your skin? You know what I mean? You know whether it's through evil or stupidity. You know whichever it is, like you can't trust them. Yeah. I mean, what does this sound like? I mean, is this something that would like, like, okay. When I was 15, I don't, this just popped into my head. There's another point I was going to make. 10th grade, homeroom, right? Where they make you do the Pledge of Allegiance. I refused. Teacher said, Mr. Armstrong, stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I said, no, I, I choose not to. I'm not the first kid who ever did that. And she said, all right, go to the principal's office. I said, okay. I walked through the doorway, and she said, 
never mind. She said, no, go back to your seat. Right? And so from then on, I, I sat for the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, it's like, well, I mean, it's a big deal, right? I don't really even remember telling my friends about it. It wasn't that big a deal to me. It kind of was in a way, but not a big, big deal. It's like, I don't know, man. I'm just saying we've gotten awful timid as a country, you know, number one. And anything about the migratory. But so but and then the other point I was gonna make was about um oh my gosh, you made such a great point before, Loki, that I wanted to like kind of piggyback on uh, on that on this whole general subject, but about specifically about um not just about microchips and conspiracy theories, but some like how things aren't always conspiracy theories. Sometimes they're sometimes they're true, you know. Those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. A conspiracy theory can be true, but yeah, a lot of times conspiracy theory means the powers that be don't want you to talk about it. Well. Also, in that vein, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, for example, with um, certain things that are happening, unfortunately, have already happened like 20 years ago, and the fact that we even know about it is privilege. Okay, yeah. I think I think these um, this idea that these people really care about everything about you and want to know what you're doing with these microchips. Um, these people don't care about you at all. They, they, if they want to microchip you, they just, they just want to track the population. They want to sell you things. They don't care about like you, you Lance or you Loki, you in, as an individual at all. They, you, they just care about you as maybe a human resource, and then they need you also because the, the, the life of people in heaven is built on people in hell struggling to give them their coffee in the morning in the hotel to clean up their streets. Like they want us, they need the public here to support their lifestyle. They, they don't want to get rid of us. Um, and then they want us to be happy. So like, like Nivik has mentioned down in the speakers, that the, the change from the king and the serf is now from the, to the elite and public. So... Um, they do want to keep us happy, but they do want to keep their stuff. So um, I think, and they do want this world to evolve. They do want to have new technologies and they're not going to build it. So technology and the sciences is going to build that. So really everyone's prime goal is always usually good. Like if you get to the crux of what people really want, you'll find even the worst um, worst action has a good intention underneath. It's, it's, wait, wait, who now are you talking about? Uh, but good in, that's my point though good intention you know good good ideology wait, wait, you know good rules doesn't always equal good behavior or good results like, wait a minute you know, do you just mean you're altruistic just cuz you're altruistic in what you say like at the UN like at the WHO like you know every president tries to in their speech be all altruistic and try to talk about the big picture and you know destiny and all these big flowery concepts but you know people are looking for you know, you know, material gain at the moment cuz that's what they need to so survive one basic question would answer that one just one question for Lance Loki um, do you think <clears throat> do you think the elite of the world want to have a good economy on the planet? Depends around themselves, yeah. 
And if they if they sacrifice another country's economy to do that, then so be it. Or if they, you know, if they, or sometimes they want a bad economy. Hold on, that's what you don't understand. That's what's happening. So many times they've crashed the economy and bought up stress, bought out a stressed assets, and to fucking just own entire towns. Like it, this is happening in front of in the present moment in front of people's faces. This is not theoretical, you know. Um, as I'll far as raise the question then maybe, to make it more as um, far succinct. as a good economy so that supports you know, the world all would human like life a good global and economy. Planet? Uh, hell no, not not at this point. For the, the majority, no, because they don't seem to be taking those actions. Well, and just because really, so they you, greenwash you the stuff and they say, oh, these should be your goals, it's really not on. enough. I don't. I think they're just kind of wasting time and kind of have their dicks in their hand, kind of. They, like, they don't, there's no honest intention about reversing climate change at this point. I, you know, there's, there's, they're flirting with it. That's how I feel. I don't really feel they're so honest about it, and they're using it as an excuse to to try to bring totalitarianism to to the entire planet, or sort of techno oligarchy. And you know, it's there's clear evidence of it. Appreciate your your uh, rants too. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, maybe. Seems that. Can I chime in? Okay. Yeah, I gotta go to sleep anyway. Thanks, thanks for letting me uh, join you, Hakeem, Lance, and Loki dudes. Um, I'm gonna go to sleep. Brought you up here, not me. Give him the credit. Yeah, sorry, I, I am, I am ranty. <laughs> I can't. No, 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 no. That's what we're all doing. So, so do you think? Yes, uh, that's what exercising your. Okay, so I guess. Uh, I guess I'll ask it this way. Why do you think Bezos and Musk want to build rockets to Mars? I thought you were going to ask why did the chicken cross? Oh, yeah, I was, I was going to go, but you, you, you're pulling me back in. But uh, um, yeah, well, I'd, I'd say because life on Earth is definitely finite. Because Earth is finite. Um, the Milky Way is finite. Not the Milky Way, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry, the, the, the Milky Way is finite. We're going to clash with um, Andromeda in, uh, I don't know how long, 250,000 years, is it? Something like that. So does anybody disagree that, 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 that it's not about furthering Amer uh, humanity's quest for the unknown? Like, uh, hey, Lance, let him finish. So I, I just want to ask Wait, go ahead. What? Let, let Hohenheim finish so you can go to sleep. I, yeah, yeah, I kind of finished, but I can go on a little bit. Yeah, it is to um, get off this planet because life on Earth and in the Milky Way are finite. So for us to be able to survive in the universe, we have to learn to survive in the universe, not just on a planet. And um, that's what I think their goal is. Even if it's not their goal, that's what their goal is, if you know what I mean. If, if they have some kind of ulterior motive to make money, it doesn't matter because they're going to help us get off this planet and be able to live in the universe, which is absolutely awesome, in my opinion. So I'm going to head off to sleep. Brother Loki, thank you. Thank you, Lance. Hakeem, take it easy. It's interesting. All right, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to send, send Hanaheim a link. The thing that he just now said, I'm pretty sure it's in the link that I put in the top of this 
uh, description here. There's some part, it's either that one or the one after that, where I'm talking about getting off the earth. But you know what, this is the theme of all kinds of science fiction books. I recently read some book by, um, <clears throat> by Arthur C. Clarke called Songs of, the, of a Distant Earth, and another one called um, The Beastmaster from another author, and they both have the same exact theme. You know, just like you've seen in a lot of movies, the earth is falling apart, it's coming to disaster and ruin. The humans have to get off and go find another planet that they can either terraform or move right into, right? So it's always the same fucking shit, right? Yeah, so our, time, oh man, yeah, Hakeem. Arthur yeah. C. Clarke, I, I, you know, I've read my share of sci-fi and I really think it's a lot more sophisticated and profound than people think. And maybe, maybe more people do now than used to, but Arthur C. Clarke, man, he's like the granddaddy, Mac Daddy. I think I think he's a kind of a mentor even to people like Asimov. Am I wrong? I don't know. I mean, I don't know much. Maybe maybe Isaac Asimov. I'm not too familiar with that. Yeah, part. I think so. Anyway, can I ask you this? Hold on, wait, uh, Lance. Can you come in? What? Can you give me one work of Isaac Asimov that might be more popular so I could reference that? I don't know, iRobot? That's like one of his more famous ones. Oh, man. I, you know, because like I said, I've read my share of sci-fi, but not a ton. There's a great Isaac Asimov. Um, it's, it's an autobiography, but what he does is he talks about like, well, people like Arthur Clarke, I think. I, I read it like like a million years ago, right? But and he weaves his own autobiography about what was going on in his life and about what was going on in America. You know, because he's older than me, but like the early days of like with nuclear uh, age and all that crap. Uh, anyway, and and weaves that in with uh, stories that uh, he was writing at the time and why he wrote them and other sci-fi writers and uh, you know stuff that had influenced him. So that's a really interesting. Asimov book, but just his just his sci-fi book. I Robot. I don't know. I can't remember titles, you know. But he. he but I see what was great about Asimov was that he wrote about like really accurate, like like the, he put the science in sci-fi. But he also like an iRobot. He also he made it human, you know, where it was like people are still going to be people no matter how far in the future we go. So that you know, anyway. Not that other folks didn't write that way too, but yeah. I get your point. Hey, do I, I see particularly uh, uh, like a uh, like a demented old you dude doing? to you guys? Yeah, I have a theory with the is. No, no, no. Do I? Uh, no, I'm serious. No, I'm asking. No, because I, I always want to learn. But somebody comments, man. I always want to learn, and at some point, at some point, if I have to commit myself no, to an institution, you know, I, I want to know from the, you know, I want to know, I want to have the, uh, is the input of my peers to help me, to help direct and guide me. All right, listen, I, I have at this point. I am easy. successfully though. All right, take it easy. Or not. We're, we're about to, we're about to I'd get say that, you're so going, you're fighting against it, dementia. Yeah. So yes. you're going the opposite so, way. Uh, mostly so, successfully, yeah. but the other part so of it, the, the alcohol doesn't is not good for the brain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah that's right. That's, <laughs> yep, alcohol is not good for the brain. So Nivik, what's up? You said you had something to add about space. 
Yeah, yeah, I had a theory that um, if you, if you, it, 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 it might, it might be. By the way, as a moderator, I took my uh, initiative to invite Snarf to go ahead and confront me, but with, you know, Facebook because I don't know, I don't know what he's got growing down there, but I don't know what they are, but I don't, you know, eh, eh, he didn't want to, he didn't want to engage. Well, Snarf is not in the room anymore, so uh, let's not uh, let's not go to blows. Um, Nivik, uh, were you saying something? Yeah, I was um, saying I, I, it, it might be to space exploration might be to bag or rock uh, asteroid. It's about asteroid mining and to bag or rock. Uh, like, like the, the the rocks would be like seven hundred quadrillion, and and where that type of wealth you kind of own the planet. Yeah, I'd like to own a planet. Um, it's very impractical, you know. There's there's worlds where there's like you know where it rains diamonds, but. Nobody's gonna go over there with a diamond harvester at this time. Like we, 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 we're too stupid to, you know, make things here work correctly at this moment. We still have, you know, lead pipes and shit. It's like we have to. I think there, we need a reality check a little bit. Like, not that we, we couldn't do that. Like, we could go to Mars. You know, I mean, we can make a small colony right now. We can make a small colony on Mars, but like, what's you know, what's the point if you don't hedge your bets and get a large population of knowledgeable, educated, capable people to go and terraform a place? Like, I don't I don't want to go there with just like a, a hundred, you know, comfortable, rich dudes. I want, you know, properly trained people. And I think you almost have to be a little bit of a roughneck. Too. Things you can some, work. You, need, you have to be you have to be a real there's almost a militarism to being a like an explorer in very harsh conditions. You need disciplined people. And. Yeah, when you say I just don't I don't think here. we're up to the task. I don't think we're up to the task right now. When you right, Loki. You, you know Robert Heinlein, brother, bro. The sci-fi writers. You know who Robert? You know who Robert Heinlein is? Uh, Robert Heinlein. Go. I I do not. Is he a writer? Oh yeah, sci-fi writer. He's kind of a fascist, but I don't care. I mean, I, he's great writer. Great. But you know, yeah, yeah. if you read his books, no, no. But if you read his books yeah. after Bill, reading, Bill like, funny sometimes too. So Lewis, right, right, Lewis right, right. Table, <laughs> Woody Allen. Am I allowed to quote Woody Allen? Sometimes he's a monster too, right? Oh, that makes you no, a but no, no, but association. No. <laughs> Robert Highland wrote, um, um, uh, um, well, the moon is a harsh mistress. The moon is a harsh mistress. But he also wrote, oh gosh. His most famous book. Um, about Martians. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, though, is, to your point, about... It's not just about the science. And The Moon is a Harsh Mistress is about the moon, right? They have a uh, colony. And they revolt against Earth 
in a very low-tech way by catapulting huge boulders, like asteroid-type asteroid, basically, and they catapult them from the moon and cause enough damage to Earth for them to say, okay, we'll let you do your thing, you know. But, um, oh, man, I got to, oh, man, I, you know, so maybe it is because I'm trying Called, uh, Robert A. Heinlein is the author of more than 60 books. Here are the first three, Starship Troopers, Stranger in a Strange Land, and The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Yeah, str a Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah. Stranger in a Strange Land. That's the one. That's his most famous one. And that's about a guy who, uh, kind of like Superman. He has like a Martian mom, but he's from Mars, and he comes back to Earth, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's great. But, um... I think it goes to what we were talking about, right? Where it's not just about the science that there's still about character, right? And about spirituality or about, you know what I mean? Or about uh, things that go beyond just the science. That the most sophisticated cultures in the future won't be the ones that just because they figured science out the best. Because they figured out, you know, how to treat people better too, right or wrong. Well, you know, the thing is that well, I don't think it's so much, yeah, well, yeah, I don't think, there's too much of this going on, there's too, like, why, why do we have to keep on putting these dichotomies in our minds to realize that, you know, there's, there's really not much that's hidden. And now all we have to do is lead the charge in cooperation instead of always talking about how corrupt and broken everything is. Instead, let's just go and start doing things to, to, like, to, to uh, attract and be able to collect, count, organize, record, pot, deposit, and spend, you know, resources that we can do the things we need to. The thing is that there's too much talk all the time about what's wrong. This is, yeah, we know. Okay. There needs to be more uh, action, um, in, in, in more action resulting rhetoric. Because there's too much, and people ask, well, what can you do? How you got a lot of background noise. I don't know if it's just me, but it's really hard to hear you. We were you were talking about there was more utopian talk or something. Or no, there's just too much talk in general without action. Like, I want to know what are people doing? Like, we're speaking here, but is is this action uh, resulting rhetoric? You know, or is, is what we're going to say from here? You know what I'm doing, gonna, right? Go from here and follow some instructions and get some done, like like following a recipe. You know, getting the ingredients. Huh? Wait, 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 Loki, wait, wait, for one second. Joy, I wanted to ask Hakeem, you know what I'm doing, right? Because whatever people talk I about cook. think tanks, actually, what? there are some very powerful think tanks, like the Federal Society, but I'd say, I don't want to start a think tank. I want to start a I don't want to think, I want to do. Anyway, you know what I'm doing, right? I'm uh, on the verge of... But I have support for, and 
you know, so, people engaged in doing a, a, a cafe, a, a, a worker co-op, it'll be a cafe, bookstore, boutique, run and owned by prison, ex-prisoners. And it will also be staffed by, you know, homeless and disabled folks. And I, you know, you know, what? You're trying to get somebody robbed. I said, oh, I see. You're trying to get somebody robbed with your fucking homeless, bum-ass, fucking dirty, <laughs> drug addict. Dude, have you guys ever I didn't of- say drug addicts. When did I say drug addicts? All the worst things that you can talk about people who are down in their luck. Right? (laughs) It's like, fuck those people. Lance. Are you trolling, Hookie? Yeah. Oh! So. Just checking. Your your trolling voice. He's he's showing his droll sense of humor. <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I have no question. I have no doubt that it's gonna that it's gonna work out great. You know what I mean? In other words, in terms of people that are motivated, they're gonna own it. Whatever, it's just gonna work great. It's gonna work great. <laughs> I'm convinced. And, and I've got other people that are also convinced. So, yeah, Lance, you know I, w- I would I would give this warning though that you when when you work with um, people you kind of like from bad institutions and you know kind of rough rough environments you you need someone that kind. Like if if you're not one of those people yourself, you you need someone that can kind of know that knows their bullshit. Like drug addicts, like having a former drug addict on your team of for the rehab is great because they know when people are high, like when a normal person wouldn't see it. So you need you need people with the insight on these things, like the person the person in this insight, and it also helps you retain respect in their in the eyes of you know some of the new guys that might be coming from prison or that might be, you know, the same. I'm a like, badass motherfucker, man. I'll, 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 I'll bring him in line, man. They'll do what the fuck I tell them. Does that make sense? Representation. <laughs> what? Representation, oh, man. Right? Representation uh, well, not just representation, but you, whether you make, you, you can, like, the people, you, you did they could fall in line in front of you, in front of your face, oh, but like behind your back, they're doing what they're doing. It don't matter, man, because if they don't do what the fuck people, I want, then I'll just them. cut them loose and they'll go back to the fucking joint. Yeah. But, so maybe it's not, okay, maybe not, but you'll but know if they are fucking up earlier and with less bad consequences if you have someone who was formerly in that life, at least as a consultant, you know, 
at least someone telling you Fuck how, that. how to watch. I know what to do. I'm talking more about knowledge too. Not from all the way over here. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually pretty. I, I have a okay level. Of you know what I mean? It, of, of, hey Loki. Of I mean Hakeem. Yes. You think you guess it yet? Oh, that I'm being just. But yeah, I'm too far I'm just away. Messing with him. Does he know that yet? Volunteer on this project. Oh, I'm in Europe. I don't know anything, man. But I do know that Murphy is here. Where, where are you? The moon. Anyway, um. He knows I'm joking, right? Work has to get done. <laughs> um, I don't know what anybody knows, man. Why are you asking me what? Why don't we just? Why don't we just ask? Ask what he knows. I don't know, Lance. What, is he, what do you know, Loki? Apparently, we need an intermediary. Uh, what do I know? What do I know about what? Oh, just that stuff in general. Yeah, that's. Someone that's tuned into another person's situation or vibe, I don't know, say how, explain it how you want, but someone who's familiar with a world that you might not be familiar with is a good guide, you know? All, but you also have to be able to trust the person too, because that's also a person that could fuck you over. And also, there's the aspect of um, representation, you know, within that. That's why, that's why, you know, for any, even in the military, like any, large uh, discipline structure having having representation there helps it not turn into a us versus them thing you know you just you see someone like yourself conforming you know to the to the program there and doing well for themselves so you're like okay if i you know if i do the right thing and i just fucking work and keep my nose clean and fucking do the right thing i'll be all right too you know what i mean it's not antagonistic but yeah, that's just that's just my thought. It's your project, man. You do whatever well, the fuck you want. It's all, it's all, it's all first you know, of all, your thing. You know, I appreciate your, you know, your thoughts here. Oh. I appreciate what you're saying, man. But um, as far as uh, what I was just saying, I was showing you my version of the dry sense of humor. Go ahead, I can. Murphy. Oh, oh man, I'm, I'm inviting all these people to speak. I'm not supposed to. I forgot it's not my room. No, um, listen. Um, hey, listen, I don't care, man. I'm not. Listen, I just had this conversation with. Um, so the, the the one of the co-founders and CEOs of another app called Breakout named Cody Harvey. Uh, he was in a room. He came into a room that we were in. And we were brainstorming with me and a guy named Joseph. Anyway, Joseph made a very good point, which is one of the reasons why I like uh, wisdom, for example, is it's just different. And this is why I continue to use all of them, right? Because of the fact that they have different functionality. And one of the thing about wisdom is that it's only one-on-one. It's, it's two people you can have. It can be a, uh, just talking to each other. So it's like a, it makes it really, really, really like like one of those high level like interviews. Like it's just Oprah and fucking Ellen. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, 
just two people there and then a bunch of people presumably are listening. Um, and then, but Breakout has a completely different setup where it's like, I mean, there's so many different things that can happen in a room, but like, he, Joseph, this guy, Joseph, who, who I'm not sure if this is real. Actually, it's, it's his real name. He's got the Weed Man companies. So his name is Joseph Weed Man. Um, anyway, um, he's a successful businessman. He was saying that perhaps, just perhaps, that, uh, that in the apps, that you could have a, a function where you don't have any of this hierarchy shit at all. Where there's no fucking separation between a host, a caller, and a listener. The reason, or, it, or you know, at all. So, but my compromise was, what if you could, do you, what if you could toggle that, uh, that feature, right? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool if you could toggle the feature where all of a sudden all these fucking lines that separate callers and listeners from each other were completely gone? Yeah. Just a bunch of fucking amoeba bouncing into each other in the fucking room, right? Just be... Uh. This could work in in a room. Yeah, in the room where people, you know, are good at keeping their points, you know, concise and and short. Then it could work. But where people want to go off on like half an hour tangents, everybody will be speaking on top of each other. You know what I mean? It'll turn into a mosh pit of voices. In in some situations, we're in a lot of well, situations. Well, I can see that, but um, but then, uh, like I said, it would be cool to have that toggling effect, and then it would be even cool to make it sort of like like you could you could toggle the effect, and then like if you want to, you could just put somebody in caller prison or listener prison. <laughs> like you could all of a sudden turn it like halfway on, and just like you can like click on like Ari or or Lance, and just be like, "You're going in the caller's queue. <laughs> You're going in the listeners." And you can just kind of force allocate them there. And then you're like, look what happens now. <laughs> It'll be like rea- reality therapy from uh, that book anywhere by the same name. All right, let me calm down. All right, but no, seriously, I think the toggle feature would be an amazing one. So whoever's listening money off. the toggle feature, you're winning the game. You're winning the fucking game. Toggle that shit. Toggle. I like the word toggle. Oh, bro, I'm about to go into some talks about how to different podcasts. You want to talk about monetization? Do you know that I monet- I partially monetized uh, Nine different my podcasts. usage of... What? No, 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 no. I, I, I have monetized... No, no, no. Listen to me, Lance. I monetized call-in for myself. Here's how. I had spoken about this before. And private rooms, yeah. Fucking listen, but listen to this. There are private rooms here, right? So I'm a doorman, right? So I have a doorman philosophy. I've been doing this shit for fucking 20 years working as a doorman. Here's my doorman philosophy. You have an ID, you can get into the club or private party. You need to be on the guest list. So what did I do? I scheduled a room, right? And in this scheduled room, I took that link because you know that you can take the scheduled room link and it'll be the same one when the actual show comes, right? And I put that into a PayPal one-time payment for a digital uh, product. And so a person would pay for this, uh, 50 bucks, for for them to come into a class that I was teaching about the basic hypnosis one-on-one, which I was teaching the three hypnotic modalities, as well as two laws of hypnosis. And 
if and if the people wanted to get in, they would go to the they would use the link that was sent to them and the button that's on the webpage. They would pay their fifty bucks, and when they did that, email, uh, PayPal would automatically send them a link, which it did. And the people that it sent the link to, I also get an email that says so and so has just purchased blah 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 or has enrolled in your subscription because you can set these up in PayPal. And then when I got that, I was like, okay. Okay, well, what made them want to spend the 50 bucks? So you have a PayPal degree in something or something or something, the right? Came, they showed up. I already had the money. Yeah, I do, but it doesn't matter if I can sell the shit out of anything. The degree doesn't matter. I do have a degree in clinical hypnosis, but that's not okay. The point. So you said, okay, good. I'm going to sell this thing for fifty bucks. The then you I did what? You 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 did what? Or fucking whatever gender they fucking choose to be. I talked to people. I invited them. I sent out emails. I made phone calls. I just talked to anybody who I ever heard of who thought that they wanted to do lessons on in hypnosis. I went to hypnosis groups. I put put the link there. I told people about it. I continue to make social audio. I put myself out there as a as a an expert in hypnosis. If anybody is paying attention, they would know that. Well, a couple of people know that, and they immediately signed up. And a third person paid me twenty five dollars for the replay to have access to the replay, to have access to the fucking replay. That is how you can monetize something like this. They've democratized this shit so that you can do this. They fucked up when they put a fucking private room in there. They need to put a private room in there and put a gate on there, like a payment processor. Then they'll be really in the business. There's already one like that in this, room, in this app called Breakout, where people can pay. You can choose to set in a certain amount of these called Breakout Coins. Um which are a type of uh, cryptocurrency. By the way, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Hey, you, you know what? You know what? You know what? From uh, Wisdom app, just from speaking. I'm a restaurant guy. I'm not even a chef, right? But I'm a restaurant professional. I know my way around the kitchen, right? I've trained chefs, you know, in specifics of places I've worked for. Probably. 90% of anything I do is basic, mechanical, simple, cooking 101 stuff. Maybe 10%. So when I say I'm not a chef, I'm almost a chef. I'm kind of a chef, almost. You know what I mean? In terms of just Southern Italian and American comfort food, blah, blah, blah. Okay. What I'm saying is that everything you're telling me is dirt dog simple. And yet, there's no way I'm doing any of that. There's just no way. It's just not happening in my world and because of who I am. And I used to be a Jetson in the days of analog. I'm, it's just not happening. Any more than if I tell someone, what do you mean you want to learn how to cook? What do you mean you want to do that? Everything I tell this person, like I'm you, right? And I'm telling this person, it's all stupid simple. It's all salt and pepper and boiling water and but how long do you boil the water? How much salt? How much? Blah, blah, blah. The devil's in the details, as they say. And it's like, there's no way, no matter how simple I make it. And by the way, being someone who's not a chef and being someone who's into who's, my, my world is Italian cooking. It's just different than French. It's a lot simpler. So I'm talking about super simple cooking. Tomatoes. I can give you things that take four. I can tell you how to cook something that takes four ingredients. And there's no way it's going to come out 
remotely as good as mine, even though it's only four ingredients. Because, like, so many details that you can't even think of. And that's why it's like, no, that's not happening. You know, and thank you, but no. I, it's just like you're, you've already gone into, like, about, like, 10, about like, at least about 30 or 40 jargon words okay. that I don't even know what the fuck those words mean. You might as well be saying, <laughs> some kind of thought. Like they say, it's all Greek to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah guess what, Lance? You know what? You know what the joke is. The joke is. Uh, Thank you. Good for you, man. You know, because more I power, man. You're a wonderful guy, right? So that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like you an and I, me, and I suck, and you're great. I don't know what to have. Nobody's talking not, about being I'm a absolutely wonderful not. guy. I'm absolutely not offended by it. Offended by everything, Lance. What is what is the matter with you? Dude, oh Jesus, man. You know, this is just your rhetoric that you do, and I'm sort of kind of like wondering what the hell you're up to. Like, I just don't, like you, you're sitting there, first of all, I didn't tell you to do it. I just said what I did, because you, you asked me a specific question. You said, how do you monetize it? You said, how do you make money off of it? And I answered your fucking no. question. And then you go defending, talking about as if I asked you to do something. And I didn't ask you to do anything. I didn't tell you that you were going to freaking be doing anything. All right? So you, you talk out of turn so much and you're opening your mouth about this stuff. All right? Why don't you actually listen to what somebody's saying? Okay, because I'm pretty level-headed for the most part and I tolerate a lot of people's shit. But I don't like it when people fucking make shit up when I'm talking. Okay? I don't give a hell what the hell is going on what you think this shit is stop making stuff up address what i exactly said or don't fucking talk to me it's not difficult oh man i hope there's some wind still in the room so what should we go back to the subject at hand then? Yes, please, sir. Of technology uh, for sustainability and and such. Yeah, you know, forgive me, excuse me. It's just every once in a while I blow my top because I just don't understand why anybody would go off on me about something that I didn't say and just twist everything. It's just like, that's not communication. I just don't appreciate that. I didn't say anything like that. Nobody enjoys a, a sh- being straw man. You know what I mean? But people do so it to each that- other way more than you, way more than you think. You know what I mean? So, you know, this could just be... We all have different communication Safe. styles, and Many we can all. Like, you said straw hello? man. Yeah. Oh, you, you faded out for a moment, Hakeem. So, I was so, just gonna say so we have different straw communication man, styles. S T R A W straw man. Yeah, it's just straw like man. you know, yeah, you know, people do it because sometimes they jump the gun too fast, like they do it on accident, so they don't listen all the way and they only get an incomplete version of what you're going to say. So it misrepresents you that way because they don't have all the information or the worst straw man 
is when people do it intentionally and they try to craft something which is completely what you didn't say and you're just like you know well your logic is dependent on that lie you just told and what you how you described me is a lie and therefore you know how could this logic be sound if you have to make shit up to make the logic make sense you know what i mean but that's what the straw man that's the purpose of a straw man so so and it could be on purpose it could be on act they're related for sure right so loki this Uh, straw man sounds suspiciously what popular Continuously using straw man arguments, which is kind of like saying, yeah, it's like it's more in a neat little package. But gaslighting is kind of like a continuous process of like it's a mix of like Stockholm syndrome and straw manning and kind of just making people crazy and thinking that they are crazy. That way you can kind of you can you can like push their minds to whatever reality you want. And like I said, it's it, people do that in like it's psycho. It's a form of psychological torture in a way, but some psychological torture, like you work in hypnotism. So I'm sure you're aware of MK ultra and stuff like that. Some has a purpose to make, to get certain behaviors out of people. And some is just sadistic or they're no. sadistic. But one is sadistic with no purpose, I would say. Yeah. And so, mind you, I'm not saying, Lance, that you're guilty of any of this kind of, like, strawmanning or even doing it uh, in a vindictive or malicious way. It's just that maybe you need to pay attention a little bit more because it's really, really frustrating to, to have people. And, and, and I'm a little bit sensitive to it now because somebody who I thought was a good friend, you know, this guy... I, I introduced him into all these groups and everything like that. And then, you know, I helped him. I, I basically fed him and put gas in his car and did all this stuff and built him websites and did all this stuff. And then he turns around and says, um, not only that I'm not helping him at all, but then starts to threaten me uh, with the police and court for stealing $2 bills from him. Like, it, it, and, and then just starts making up all kinds of stuff in a, in a text threat that has no that, that has nothing about the truth in it. And so and I've had this happen with people. I don't understand why I attract leeches and vampires. Um, but they all have that same personality trait where they if they can't control me or get what they want, they start making things up. And it's, I'm I'm really I've really about had it with that shit. So if I went off on you, Lance, a little bit about that, it's because I'm having a personal issue dealing with uh, this kind of stuff. And it really, really fucks with me, like in a gigantic way. And I just don't, I, I don't like, uh, in, I don't like inaccurate thinking. I mean, I have a recording from earlier. It's on the breakout room. I actually find it and share it where I'm in um, Verizon and I just happen to be recording. <clears throat> and um, the guy keeps on saying, you don't have the correct information, but you don't have the correct. And I said, listen, sir, the state corporation commission gave me and i'm looking at the the document right now with my employee id number on it for my business stop saying i was like let's speak accurately let's be accurate speakers okay it's more likely there's a flaw in the system okay or somebody else put it in there incorrectly but you keep telling me i have 
I don't have the correct information when it's right here on this fucking paper. You know what I mean? It's like, stop using these words like you don't have the, the correct information. And it's just because it, it's not an accurate way to speak. I think that people should pay attention to the way they're speaking and speak more accurately. And all this whole business about all these different languages and all, yeah, that's great. But there's also something that that is very basic. It's like fucking listening. Take some notes if you have to, people. Right? It's like to, to be misrepresenting what people other people say is one of the things that has um, completely, I've, I've I've ended relationships completely because of misrepresentation of my words. I'm very sensitive about it. I don't know why, but it is very difficult for me to deal with. And so I have an issue with that, personally. So, now, how does that deal with anything? Um, Because one of the things is that in scientific research, um, as, as... Lance was talking about earlier that if he, nobody can make something the way he does in his recipe, right? Well, the opposite thing is supposed to be of, of scientific experimentation in laboratories where they take the recipe, because that's essentially what a scientific research paper is, um, that has all of the equipment and the amounts of what of different, uh, of different uh, materials they've used and what kind of containers they put them in and and how high of a temperature or how cold they the, make and the parameters high. of the experiment right the i think that's what they call it just the the facts the parameters well everything the directions everything to make the experiment happen it's basically it's the exact same thing as a cooking recipe it's like you do it because it has these same factors it has ingredients or and or materials right it has a time and it has temperature and amounts so you have the you have the materials ingredients you have the amounts of those material ingredients you have temperature that you put something on and for how long and that's basically how science works they do that stuff and it's, it's measurement with those factors and, and, a, and a recipe is the same thing except for most recipes you don't make it colder but, but there's ice cream right so so um, all of that is what I'm talking about. And in, in science, if you're doing it correctly, you don't have those kinds of misrepresentations because everything is written down. And I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy to think that people should operate more like that. Like, I, don't, I just don't... Dude, it, it makes the fucking inside of my fucking ribcage itch to have, like, people having conversations and it's completely different. Like, they're saying... Like, like the words are different. Like, I just—it's it, it, really hard to understand. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm a bit much. Maybe I'm a bit extra with that shit. But um, it really makes me fucking crazy. Because um, I don't understand how we can communicate like that. Like, you know, if two people are reading out of the same book, right? Um, then they're going to get the same. Hold on. So if two people are reading out of the same book, right? <clears throat> they're reading the same words. If they're looking, if they have an identical copy of the book, like in a class, right? A school, they have the same book. This is what it means. People don't realize this. A lot of this is related to this is what it means to be on the same page, 
okay? And a lot of people just are not on the same page because one person says something and somebody else says a completely different thing. And I think that this can be alleviated with a lot of note-taking and science and listening to recordings and stuff like that. But that's another story for another day. But that's, you know, the, um, the interesting thing about applying that is that it's going to take a lot of understanding. And one of the ways we can, again, look at the understanding of that is with our computing power and how our computing power can do so many things faster than us because they're not distracted by emotions and other things that cause hesitation besides the fact of that computers can do calculations much quicker than they are because well they're just designed for that that their switches and circuits make it for this kind of information these relays to happen and and you know interesting about those relays they they really the algorithms are very simple it's like if this then that if this then that it's really a a very um deductive system in a lot of ways like the plants was talking about deduction versus induction there has to be something first before something else um and the the thing that follows is dependent on the thing that came before it in a very mechanistic way. What I find fascinating is that you can steer these microelectronic systems apparently with your thoughts and that in my observation and understanding having done that, it seems that it shows that there's something about our consciousness and thought that's apart and separate from our physical body. And so to answer Hanheim's question from earlier when he was here, is I think I absolutely have evidence for uh, an existence beyond the physical body. And if people take the time to look at the videos that I made, there would be something that would be actually apparent there. Um, there's Now I'm using this in a little bit of a different context, but if you think about Newton's first law of motion, it's about inertia. And it says that for an action at rest, will stay at rest in action. An object in motion, motion, I'm saying an object at rest will stay there, and an object in motion will keep going unless it's acted upon by a force. And so, if you have uh, a certain line of activity going a certain way, right, and then it all of a sudden starts, gets knocked into something and, and goes left, it's that thing, that something that made it turn left, that force, that outside force. And so the interesting thing was, as I was doing the measurements and the recording, everything changed as soon as I added the myself saying, you know, one, 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 or zero, 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 on a loop in my ears while looking at an, an either a numeral one or zero on a piece of paper. And so I think that that right there is a very significant thing because it changed at that point. I was having trouble with concentrating. I even said so several times on the videos and I was talking, I was drinking, I was feeling like shit, but I just wanted to do this anyway. And then as soon as I added the recordings combined with the visuals, this uh, the outcomes of the experience completely changed and started becoming way more coherent than before that and continue to do so after that change was made. Um, so it's just little things like that that you, like, is that a coincidence? You know, they all just luck out with that and you can look at it again. And, and then you look at all of them together. And then you can start to look at evidence 
of other things. And the fact that it's been done in laboratories. And the fact that why are we even asking anymore after we have all of this evidence? You know, it's... And, and one of the biggest problems that people have with this kind of language is the fact that, first of all, they uh, keep using these delineation this delineative language like reality and not real. Like this is real and that's not real. This is the real world and, and the physical world is not the real world. This is all stupid to me. How could something be experienced and not be real? Right? Like your imagination is real. The things that you think about in your body are real. They're every real as anything else. Like this whole idea of the, there being this reality and it's and that the, the non-physical reality is the real. No, it might be more fundamental, but they're just as real. They're just different permutations of the same thing. This whole like because then you could say because then people say that oh that's an illusion and the and in Buddhism and other systems that are related talk about illusion being something bad. So every time now you're it's an illusion. Right? Then that's kind of the connotation that it's not a good thing. No, he's having a, an illusion. That's an illusion. It's Maya. It's the, the illusion of reality. It's this 3D world. It's like, shut the fuck up. It's, it's just another aspect of it. That's real. This is not real. I, I like the, the word illusion better because illusion is um, you know, not really saying it's not real. It's just saying it looks, it appears a certain way, which is, which is totally fine. Because that's everything, right? Some something that you're perceiving appears as it is to you. So something appears a certain way, and something can appear to you, um, and maybe have different consequences in certain contexts. But um, illusion is put on these things like as if they're supposed to go away, be ephemeral. You're fighting them off, like sometimes. <clears throat> you wonder what these illusions before and why do we construct them? What are we doing? What are they doing for us? Why do we need them? You know, and but does it does that make it any less real? No. One of the things that we eliminate from our languages is to it's not. How come I can't hear anyone? Stop talking. I couldn't hear some of what y'all were talking about, but let me throw this out there, just a thought piece, right? So I was talking about Gilbert Ryle before about, uh, so maybe Descartes was right, ultimately. We're talking about consciousness, right? And, uh, you know, Right, and and how do we know we're conscious and all that? Uh, so maybe like quantum measurement, right? It's the actual measurement that causes the thing to do something, right? That it wouldn't, it would act differently if it wasn't being measured, like the tree falling in the forest. Right, right, right. So in other words, let's suppose that um, consciousness is like that. That it's like... 
kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy that, well, okay, I'm thinking, okay, therefore, consciousness, right? I'm not thinking, therefore not, you know? So, you know, it's kind of like a self-evident, kind of like Spinoza's ontological argument. I don't know. Might be a little more appropriate than we thought. I don't know. You know, just basically, that if there's hills, there must, or, yeah, if there's valleys, there must be hills, right? You can't have you can't have valleys without hills. Well, you can't have you know thought without consciousness, or consciousness without itself. You know, that's that he he, he what he's talking about is God. You know, is that well, of course, there's a God because how could there not be? There's no other there's no other option or something. It's like you know. Because we have all this stuff. It had to come from somewhere, so it must have come from God. It's, it, you know, it's kind of a circular logic. Yeah, okay, but ultimately, no, it is, but that doesn't make it false. Right, 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 right. Logic, but it's also, I hear you. It's like it's like the lady, the lady that goes to hear, uh, like right, you know, yeah, Eric Michael Dyson or some cosmologist talk about the like gravity and how things float in space, regress. kind of thing. And she's like, um, no, no, no. Some, it's on the back of a turtle. Earth. I'm looking for a foundation. What is the turtle resting on? You know, don't bother. Don't bother, Professor. It's turtles all the way down. Yeah, but. I know it sounds like that's the argument I'm making, but <clears throat> exactly, it's not so right. far fetched. Yeah. Really... yeah. So you see, and so no, I can't. That... No, you can't. No, 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 no. No, but but what I'm what I was about to say is that that's actually true. It is turtles all the way down. You can put no, you can put whatever yeah, because you can put whatever you want there because we can just do a simple thought experiment. Hey, <laughs> infinity and eternal and eternal material. Wait, wait, how I know what existence is is what actually is. Well, you can't with, uh, dude. Well, you haven't even heard what I said yet. Nobody in this room has heard what I said yet. Nobody, probably almost nobody in the earth has heard what I've said yet. So how do you know? I'd like to know how you know. So. All right. So no. let's, I'm going to move. No, on. I, no, I, but the, I agree. I agree with the, the preposterousness uh, of the turtles all the way down mentality. But here's something interesting. They prove that infinity is real because what is what is, okay, what okay. is the boundary okay well there's a boundary what's well then what is that boundary within and what is that boundary within it's right 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 right, right 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 say, dude i see right. i didn't say that it was preposterous or anything hinting towards that that's not my idea. I'm saying it actually is, is more re about reality, and what or what about existence than than not. 
that the whole idea of turtles, like people make fun of that all the time, but they're not seeing what it's actually saying. Right. You can't, it's to put a limitation. Is this not true? Stops, it always has to fit into something else. Therefore, eternal. There, there's there, what there. How could there be a boundary, uh, dude? For people, if any, if any of you guys actually think that there's a boundary to something, there's something wrong, in my opinion, with your thinking. Like, how could you? How? Where do you stop? Tell me, where do you stop, though? Because I, I'd like to know. And I'm not talking about infinite. Right, and I'm right, not talking right. about infinite have you ever, have you ever saw there are the infinite motel mathematically about, paradox. about unexended space? Oh, uh, well, I mean, you can always have one more motel. It kind of, no, but it's, it's kind of like partly it's a, about it's a system it, it, of mathematical relationships in the same way theorem. how you can create and conjure thoughts and imagine things in your mind, but it doesn't that, take up any external things space. that you can know to be true, but you can't prove it. That information, right? And so. No, I haven't. I haven't seen that no. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so so I'll go there. Yes, well that's the thing that is implied is that the there are things that we'll, um, we just yeah, have to I'll, I'll agree. That we that, just that infinite regress that we can know them, but we can't ever they, prove them. And we, that creates it, not just in a mathematical it, sense, but it creates all kinds to, of conundrums and philosophical existence you know, is eternal. Uh, then there's no end. Stuff. So you can never come to a conclusion about it. Well, maybe from certain points of thinking, but if we start to bring you bring mathematics into it, there's an interesting thing because you have experimental theoretical applied physics, you have mathematical physics, you have um, you have pure mathematics, you have pure mathematics that has all these things that happen, which scientists say are impossible. But that's because they're, they're, these things crawl into unextended domains that have no physical reality. Just in the same way how sound waves from music can be recorded and translated into signals and then played back. It's a similar thing about how to go in and out from a physical to a non-physical reality using something like a Fourier transform and sinusoidal waves that are very much like based on Euler's circle using Euler's number. And you can come to an approximation of understanding a reality that operates and yeah. an existence that well, here, operates in ways and here's forms harsh that are not my mind around. that readily and, and identifiable again, to what we have. As I think I'm right, but you can you can you can play with them mathematically. And They've basically proven that there's an infinite number of primes, but they but they have not yet proven to the same extent. That there are infinite number of like just just integers in general. That's something. But, but like, if you have to count like a lot of numbers in between primes to get to the next prime, how can it be that, well, we know there's an infinite number of primes, but, but there might be more yeah. primes 
then there are numbers in between? I mean, so Possibly? That's a little possible. Right, it's just... But somehow... Yeah, I mean... They've proven that, yep, primes go on forever. We don't know the, the numbers in between do, but there's more of them. In other words, to get to the furthest prime that we know of, there's a whole bunch of other many, 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 many more numbers in between the primes than there are primes, right? <laughs> but if you go out far enough, there's more primes than there are numbers in between. Well, what does that mean? That it's like yeah. the primes get closer together, where like every other number it becomes a prime. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's it's like. <laughs> I mean, this is a I'm sorry, crazy yeah. pursuit, but right? You know, the, the idea of infinity is hard enough to imagine, but the fact that there's like a like an infinity that 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 that, it, that constitutes what we think of as finite numbers. So, at what point in time then does one stop to consider? Okay, I'm gonna. All right, well, you're a better man than I, because I can't even. Are you just are you just saying okay. that, or do you believe that the concept of infinity infinity is difficult to imagine? Are you saying that, or do you believe, or is that your experience? Because it's not difficult for me to imagine the concept of infinity. It's very quite simple for me to imagine it. It's actually quite. It's actually quite simple for me to logically understand it. To think about it is really, really easy. It's one of the simplest things ever to think about. It always has been to me. There's no such thing as, as, as finite. Except for a construct. Finite is only what about, what about, uh, within infinity. Individual. So finity exists with infinity. It has to. There's no other drops way. Drops yes, so of precipitation. A certain group of like every drop finite. of every rainstorm. Right? You can say I have I have four right? individually. You can talk about from now from going from now back and into, into the future and will exist. That's a pretty big example. Sure. Well, we're adding more and more and who precipitation every day. Count those, right? And so it's like, but at is that some a point finite time, number? Those are physical things and become finite. Whereas the infinite, you no know, wait though. Infinite Give me credit though. Is that not a pretty good idea of like what? Where does infinite become infinite? Very similar to where does finite become infinite? Okay, precipitation drops, individual drops of snow, individual snowflakes, individual drops of snow. Individual in, little in, pieces of precipitation in, 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 forever in before sense. us to now, now to go and going way. into the future, and, and going how, into the future tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I say that's one of the larger numbers you're going to conceive of. No, Well, the finite doesn't become infinite. I know, I'm in bed trying to go to sleep. 
right. Yeah, but 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 I'm not saying the fight when I'm not asking the question even when does the finite become infinite. That's not a concern of mine because that isn't. I don't know for some reason it doesn't track with me to try to inquire about. But what I'm saying is that oh man, it's seven o'clock. Um, <clears throat> what I'm saying is that like there is a such thing as a finite number. You can you can count to 100 and stop so making things finite is a decision right because you have to to, in order to control and understand and and to be able to handle data right so that that to be finite is to be understood to be controlled to be worked with scientifically maybe or in other ways and that's right and because many things in the physical world are finite however infinity can be thought of and and in some ways um, uh, described but never never captured um, except if we go to the infinitesimally small then we're going into another infinite regress yeah then we go into another infinite regress but see this idea of getting smaller only exist in a physical world once you start to go into that domain of mind just like how you can imagine things in your thought you can think of a big giant ship the size of the titanic or the iceberg that 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 busted it and your head's not going to bust open from imagining the titanic and all its glory nor the iceberg because that thought does not take up anything that would be considered to be space as we imagine it and understand it and experience it in our physical world however it takes up space in three dimensions when you imagine it when you imagine things and play things back in your mind you see them for all intents and purposes in three in 3d or maybe even 2d i don't know how you're seeing things in your life but i see things in 3d that i remember and that's pretty interesting because it's not taking up any effing space in the world around me. This is a thing that more of us need to think about and also stop measuring and considering something like that and trying to hold it by physical standards. Physical is physical. Physical is physical. Physics is physics. Okay? But just like Dean Radin did at the Institute of Noetic Sciences at the end of his talk, someone asked, do we just throw away all this stuff we've learned from history and science and mathematics and physics? He says, no, we don't throw it away because what, the way things stand now is that you have, you, have, you have physics, you have chemistry, you have biology, right? And then you have psychology, and then you go, then they have metaphysics. He says, what if you take metaphysics and make that the foundation? So then you have then you have metaphysics first, then physics, da 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 Well, you can take it even further. Metaphysics is mathematics. So it goes mathematics and philosophy together, right? Those things go hand in hand right there. If, if they did, if a lot more mathematicians pra- uh, practice philosophy or more philosophers practice, mathemat- practice mathematics, we'd have a whole better understanding of reality. But, but the, those two usually don't marry too well. And so... But if you had that combination, you'd be, you have a killer philosophy. But mathematics, physics, right. chemistry, biology, psychology, that's the order it should go. And mathematics, remember, represents is metaphysics. So if we start with the metaphysical No, man, what a great, thing, but a great conversation. And anyway, my phone is about uh, to lose it, uh, all its charge, and so is my brain. So I'm going to give us both a rest. The beginning, Lance, is uh, where I think that we should go as well, and I think what holds true. So... Lance, yeah, it's all good, man. We're all we're all adults here. We could uh, we could go, go ahead and rip each other's head off and soon. still agree on uh, most whatever. Hour, no, right? it's all good.
Yeah. All right, Lance. Absolutely. Well, listen, yeah. I would like to extend an cool apology man. to you for, yeah, uh, we'll talk for soon, man. snapping Peace earlier. Out. Cause, um, yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm apologizing, and I'm also saying that um, I'm apologizing for my behavior, but not for the point that I was making. So please keep that in mind when you're speaking with me. Okay. Later. Loki, what's up? Yeah, later. Later, guys.